Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, October 17th, 2016. Hello again, everyone. I'm Mario Hawani back inside our New York City studio. Hope you had a great weekend. It was pretty much an uneventful one in the world of mixed martial arts. No UFC, no Bellator, no World Series of Fighting. So the big three were off, which was kind of nice. Um, one notable thing happened on Friday. Mackenzie Dern improved to 2-0. and She fought in Legacy. In my opinion, that was a uh, submission of the year candidate. Amazing stuff. That's what we've come to expect from her, of course, early on in her MMA career. Worth noting, though, that she did miss weight. And that is something to keep an eye on. Uh, I did hear from someone who said, oh, why didn't you call her out? Why didn't you criticize her like you did Cowboy Oliveira? And, well, the reason for that is she didn't act like an ass afterwards. She didn't crotch chop her opponent as she was laying on the ground. She didn't do one of these. She didn't act unprofessionally. I think it's pretty clear why she didn't receive the kind of heat that Cowboy Oliveira did. Not everyone who misses weight receives that kind of heat or at least deserves to. And she also didn't miss by five pounds. Two and a half pounds, not cool, not professional in that right, but uh, I don't think she deserved that kind of heat. A silly, a silly response, but uh, worth bringing up at the top. Uh, And that was pretty much it as far as fighting is concerned. Big news last week, of course, the return of Ronda Rousey. She is back on December 30th. She is fighting Amanda Nunes. Some people happy about this. Few others not so happy about that. Um, But that is massive news for the UFC. That is the perfect way to end a very newsworthy year for the organization. And this is going to be a very newsworthy week for them. And we'll talk about that later in the show. But there's a lot going on from a business perspective as far as the UFC is concerned. Uh, They have a couple weeks off now. They return on November 5th. Remember, there was supposed to be an event this past Saturday in Manila. That was canceled. And as we're starting to see, some of those fights and fighters are being rescheduled for other events. Um, but other than that, it was it was a pretty quiet weekend. For me personally, it was one to remember. And I have to, right off the top, thank Sean Grandy. You may know Sean Grandy as the play-by-play man, relatively new to Bellator. He is the voice of Bellator these days. But uh, his main job for the last 18 years has been the radio voice of the Boston Celtics. And I've talked to Sean Grandy a little bit via text, Twitter, never met him in person. A couple weeks ago, he texted me saying that he is going to be calling the Knicks-Celtics preseason game on October 15th at MSG and asked me if I wanted to 
slide in as a sort of guest analyst for a quarter or two. I couldn't believe it. I thought he was messing with me. As you may know, I am a gigantic Knicks fan, a lifelong Knicks fan. Uh, there are a few things I like more than the New York Knickerbockers. And of course, I jumped at this opportunity. So uh, thank you so very much to Sean Grandy for this. Uh, that was a bucket list you know, endeavor for me something that I always dreamed of doing. Maybe one day I'll have another chance to do it, but I got there from uh, the very beginning of of the afternoon, shoot around, I was taking it all in. I went to the press conference, Jeff Hornacek, Brad Stevens, uh, bumped into some players, all the equipment guys, all the security guys, big MMA fans. Uh, perhaps the highlight of the entire thing was bumping into Mike Breen, the uh, the voice of the NBA, also the voice of the Knicks, who somehow knew that I was the MMA guy, who told me that his 19-year-old son, I believe Matthew Breen, is a big UFC fan. And to me, I mean, that was a living legend. He said to me, I said, Here, here's my, my email address. Uh, if Matthew has any questions about MMA journalism, the sport, please have him reach out to me. He said, I'm going to be the coolest dad. I said, you're Mike Breen. You're already the coolest dad in the world. Um, and then I got to call some of the action. I got to go to the locker room. It was very nice. I'm not leaving MMA. Um, I have no desire to do that, but it was very nice as an Uber fan to experience what it was like being an NBA reporter. I can't thank Sean Grandy enough and also Jonah Ballo of the New York Knicks, who let me shadow him a little bit of Knicks.com, who's a big UFC fan as well. That was that was really something special. So I was kind of happy that there were no MMA events on Saturday because I got to do that and really focus and enjoy the whole experience. Uh, no MMA events this coming, uh, excuse me, this past weekend. Uh, Bellator is back on Friday, but that doesn't mean that we don't have a stack show for you, my friends. Wow, I cannot wait to get this show started. Um, a who's who and a little bit of everything. So let's run down the lineup and get to our first guest of the day because our first guest of the day has some news to share with all of us. Very exciting. At 4.10 p.m. Eastern Time, we are going to be joined by another living legend, Jerry the King Lawler. Jerry the King Lawler, are you kidding me? Uh, Pro wrestling legend, Memphis legend, um, Andy Kaufman foil, man on the moon, you've seen it. I mean, Jerry the King Lawler, maybe, arguably, I think, it's not really that arguable, involved in the greatest feud in pro wrestling history, him versus Andy Kaufman. Anyhow, he has teamed up with Bellator, who will be in Memphis this Friday to sort of promote that event. Uh, thank you to them for hooking us up with Jerry Lawler. He will join us at 410. 3.05, my friends, George St. Pierre. Yes, that was the surprise guest. George St. Pierre will join us at 3.05 to sort of break his silence from the past you know, couple months and give us an update on what is going on with his career. What is happening? Will he fight 206? When is he coming back? What is happening? What's going on? These Dana White comments. A lot to talk to George St. Pierre about. We got him. 3.05, GSP will be joining us. 2.45, Michael Bisping will be joining us. The reigning, now defending UFC middleweight champion joins us at 2.45. Can't wait to talk to him about the win a couple weeks ago. What's next for him? Holly Holm talks to us at 2.25 about, you know, what's next for her, the hand, the loss to Shevchenko. There is a lot to talk to Holly Holm about. You asked for Gegard Mousasi, you're getting Gegard Mousasi at 2.05 to talk about his big win over Vitor Belfort uh, at UFC 204. What's next for him, his new persona, uh, really coming out of his shell is Gegar Mousasi, and I look forward to talking to him at 2.05. You also asked, oh, I'm, I'm skipping one, Kayla Harrison, two-time Olympic gold medalist in judo, made history in 2012, made history in 2016, two-time Olympic gold medalist. Um, I think only nine people have ever done something like that, if my research is correct, and the first American to get the gold medal. 
Yeah, she's just one of nine judokas to win double gold medals. How about that? Kayla Harrison, a teammate, a former teammate of Ronda Rousey, by the way, will join us at 145. 125 will be joined by Mike Perry, Platinum Mike Perry. You asked for him. 2-0 and now in the UFC. Does he have news? We'll find out. A very colorful character Mike Perry is. So we'll talk to him in around 20 minutes or so. But first, let us go to the Skype machine and welcome in our first guest of the day. He is the president of World Series of Fighting. Uh, also, trainer to the stars, Ray Sefo is joining us via the Magic of Skype. And how about that Skype connection? Wow, that is crystal clear, Ray. I feel like you're sitting in studio with me right now. I am. You are. Just next door, though. <laughs> it, it, it looks great. It looks great. Well, very happy to have you on the show, Ray. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm looking forward to uh, the up-and-coming events, should I say. Okay, so let's talk about it. You have some stuff to get off your chest. A lot of people wondering uh, what you're going to announce. So the floor is yours. What do you have to tell us, Ray? Well, you know, after a few weeks of discussions, uh, Ali, um, uh, Carlos and myself, along with, along with the team, have decided to, and especially with the November 12th date that we had, had as well as the uh, Madison Square Garden show New Year's Eve New York. So, you know, putting all those together and the UFC being on the same day as the November 12th, um, and again, you know, we've had this date since late last year. Um, but as, you know, obviously the time had gone on, the UFC has put on um, a real stacked card. And yeah. a lot of the fans were, you know, also tweeting me and sending me messages on Facebook and saying, why are you guys going up against, you know, the UFC card November 12th? And then, <clears throat> again, my answer to that was we already had that date. And so after, you know, weeks of discussions, uh, we've decided to move our main event, which is uh, John Fitch and Cheers for that card, to our New Year's Eve card at Madison Square Garden Theater. And, and then, you know, having uh, Blagoy, who's our heavyweight champion, who's going to headline our December show, uh, get hurt last week. So it kind of, everything kind of fell in place and we just decided to merge the two cards together and put on a mega card for New York City, New Year's Eve versus the fighting New York. And after the UFC being there November 12th, I mean, that's just a headline of headlines, you know what I mean? And so them going there, it's, uh, I think it's, uh, it's going to be their night. And so New Year's Eve is going to be ours. And I think the fans in New York City are going to have nothing but enjoyment of two big cards coming to New York City back to back. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack here. So just so I have it clear, uh, the November 12th show has now been scrapped, correct? Correct. Okay. And yes, then, that's correct. It's been moved, yes. And then there, ha there was another one in December before MSG, and that's off the table as well? That is correct. We've, uh, we've pretty much kind of merged the two main event cards and decided to put on a mega card for New York City. So that's December 31st at the Madison Square Garden Theater here in New York City, around uh, six or so blocks from where our studio is. Right. Is Fitch Shields the main event for December 31st in New York City? They are going to be the co-main event. The main event is going to be Justin Gagey versus uh, Joel uh, Cifrino. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, and then, I mean, it's going to be a triple hitter. And then uh, Marlon Moraes will open up the NBC card um, with his opponent to be uh, announced it. Um, but also, you know, after talking to NBC, 
Uh, we they've given us uh, NBC Sports to open up that show, so it's huge for us. And uh, the headliner for the NBC card will be our NBC Sports card will be Eugene Okami versus uh, uh, Paul Bradley. Huh. Okay, so the main card on December 31st is big NBC. Like, we're talking network television. Correct. You've only done yes, that once before, correct. right? That uh, Gaethje-Nick Newell card. That is correct. And this is a three-fight card. All three fights are title fights. Correct. Wow. Yes. Um, so you kind of threw that one in there, but Marlon Moraes was a free agent. Uh, I reported around eight days or so that he was close to signing or re-signing with World Series of Fighting. Is that official now? Yes, he still wears as a fighting fighter, and he will be fighting New Year's Eve. Yes. Wow. Okay. Uh, was it was it tough to get him to resign, or was it a pretty easy negotiation? Were you afraid that you were going to lose him? No, not at all. I mean, like you know, Marlon is a great fighter. He's a great kid, um, and you know, we support whatever Marlon wants to do. And uh, as of right now, Marlon still wears as a fighting fighter, and he will be fighting on New Year's Eve at the Madison Square Garden Theater. So you're going to open the show with Marlon. Um, are, you, are you leaning towards any opponent yet for him on that card? Do you have a, a sense of... I have a couple, yes, okay. I do have a couple of opponents that I've just waited to confirm. Ah, any hints? Nothing right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so you said that Okami is going to be on the NBCSN card, which is your usual home. How many fights will be on that card on December 31st? I believe it'll probably be three to four. I think it's three. Okay. Um, yes. Do you know? And any- then uh, we will have probably three or four uh, fights on stream. Okay. Now here's the big question for me about December 31st. As you know, that's kind of a national holiday here in right. uh, the United States. Are you guys going to be on at night, or is it going to be like an afternoon thing so that you don't go up against all the the festivities? You know, the ball dropping, all that stuff. Uh, the the NBC card will start at four to six. Okay, and then the uh, NBC Sports card will be from three to four. Okay, interesting. So yeah. you'll so it's an afternoon thing where everybody can come and enjoy. You know, we've had some very positive uh, feedback from the fans as well as the MMA world down there. So uh, we're excited about it. It's big, you know, big for us. And you know, having to uh, go to the Madison Square Garden Theater, it's Again, like I said, it's big for us, and we're really looking forward to it. Now, what's going to happen to the fighters who are scheduled to compete on November 12th and that show in December? What are you going to do with those fighters and fights? The majority of them will be on that card in uh, uh, December 31st. Okay. Uh, And some have been moved to our Vegas card in January. Oh, okay. What, What date is that? Do you know that yet? I believe it's January 20th. Okay. Um, You know... New York legalizing MMA has obviously been a big story this year, and there's some talk about how difficult it is to get a date with the taxes and all that stuff. How difficult, like, how did you guys come in there shortly after the UFC and secure this? Was it very, very, you know, was it was it more difficult than, say, a Vegas show, a California show? How would you describe it? I, I wouldn't say difficult, but yeah, no, it did, definitely uh, took a little bit longer than it is in Vegas because, you know, uh, being that New York was legalized this year and the UFC is going there. I think that made things a lot easier. And, uh, you know, again, it's just a, there was a lot of moving parts uh, for that to happen. And, uh, and it made, you know, everybody kind of worked together and made it possible. Mm. Um, and any concerns? I mean, I, and you would know this better than, than me, December 31st being such a big day in New York, uh, MSG is right next to Times Square. 
from like a right. transit and security? Like, is this going to be a tough thing to pull off for you guys? No, you got to think positive, uh, yeah. Ariel. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. Think positive. All right. I'm all about positive. And I think, I think the energy for New Year's Eve, which it's just going to flow right into the, the garden. Yeah, it's huge. I think it's really uh, important and smart on your part to do the afternoon show because, you know, that's when people are at home. Right. There's college football on. You guys come on big NBC um, and, and put those three fights. Is there any reason why you went with Gaethje in the main event over, say, uh, Fitch or Shields, Marlon Moraes? Like, why, why did you book that order? Well, Gage was always uh, was was always the uh, headliner for for uh, for NBC, uh, you know, New Year's Eve, and when we, you know, when the the, the changes were made, um, Gage wanted to be the guy that headlined that show, and you know, the way he comes out, I think everybody wants to see that final match to be just fireworks. You know yeah. what I mean? He's just a uh, again, you know what he fights like. He, it's there's nothing uh, that's not exciting about Justin Gagey. Sure. Yeah. No, he's <laughs> you know a great I mean? way to end the the show. Um, right. Exactly. And, and when you talk about Fitch and Shields, they're fighting for your welterweight title. John Fitch is your welterweight champion. Whenever I think of that division, uh, I, I still kind of think of Husimar Palhares. Is he still a member of the the organization? No, he's. Uh, I have no idea where he's at right now, but yeah. uh, I, so I don't even want to discuss him. Okay. But I mean, F- uh, Fitch and Shields is something. It's a fight that I think all the MMA fans in the world knows who they are. You know right. what I mean? And it's a fight that uh, I think a lot of the fans have been waiting for. I definitely been waiting for to see, to see that fight happen, and uh, I think it's going to be an exciting night. It's. Uh, I, I mean, I'm pumped about it. I feel like it's happening tomorrow. You know yeah. what I mean? So I'm super excited about it. Uh, two veterans and Fitch getting his first major world championship was a really nice moment um, just right. uh, just a few months ago. Uh, have tickets gone on sale yet for that event? I believe that's uh, in a couple of weeks, I think. Okay. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but, you know, the other thing that I wanted to also add to that is uh, New Year's, uh, sorry, November 12th, we were going to have the veteran fight. Yes. Uh, well, we moved that fight also to uh, the New Year's Eve crowd at the Madison Square Garden um, Theater. Yeah, and w- w- for those that don't know, what is the veteran fight? The veteran fight is, uh, you know, obviously between two vets. Yeah. Um, and the purpose of that is uh, basically saying that uh, anyone that's uh, a former military and is a vet and wants to um, – make MMA their career or make MMA something for them to fall back onto. Uh, that is the purpose of that show, of that card. And so uh, we moved that to the, the garden as well. So not, and, you know, you know, it's crazy because everybody that I've talked to since this decision was made um, are just so super excited and thankful that they're given the opportunity to be, to make history, really. I mean, history for versus the fighting, history for the fighters that's, uh, for MMA, for example, I mean, the UFC is going to make history being there at first, but all the MMA fighters on that card and all the MMA fighters that's on versus of fighting, it's history in the making that uh, MMA is at the Garden for the first time. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I was at the Garden twice this past weekend, and I just was looking around saying, wow, I mean, I just can't wait to see you know, a cage right. here and, and actual MMA fights right. um, being held. How would you describe, you know, as we reach the end of the year, this was sort of a 
a year of transition for WSOF, put on great fights. You've had your highs, you've had your lows. How would you describe this year for WSOF? And are you are you very confident that you know next year will continue to grow? Do you like the state of the organization as it stands right now from your perspective as president? Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm very positive. But, um, and I think uh, this year has been a great year, uh, although there, there have been a few moving parts, uh, but they're positive moving parts. And... Um, 2017, 2018 is going to be even bigger and better. Mm. Yeah, you know, I saw you in Cleveland. You were, you know, some people were blaming you for that elevator malfunction, saying, you know, <laughs> Brad Tavares was saying it was all your fault. But for you to juggle those two kinds of jobs, very different jobs, you know, trainer, right. coach, and then president, you're putting together fights, you're signing fighters. Is this more difficult than you thought it would be? Is it easier than you thought? How, how do you balance the two lives? I, I love it. I mean, I, you know, I breathe sleep, eat, um, mixed martial arts. You know what I mean? It's, I love what I do. And um, I wake up every morning with a smile on my face that I get to do what I do. You know what I mean? And so with this coaching or um, being here in the office versus the fighting, you know, you know sometimes there's parts where, uh, for example, our last show when um, an opponent falls out. Yeah. And especially when it's the main event opponent. So things like that gets a little bit stressful, but outside of that, it's it's part of the game. It's part of what we do. And uh, no, I, I love being part of what I do with Wurzels of Fighting. How is Ozzy, by the way? Do you have an update on him? As far as I know, he's recovering well. Okay. Um, but yeah, he, uh, he should be, uh, you know, back in action uh, pretty soon. But, yeah, he's recovering well. And you didn't want to give him the title shot against Gaethje since he had to fall out? You, you wanted to keep him moving along? Um, that was my initial thought. Yeah. Was to give him that title shot at the Garden. But um, he, I think, after going, although he's recovering well, I think he just wanted some time out and just kind of, you know, get things together and uh, come back stronger. As you know, one of the big stories of 2016 in MMA has been free agency. And, you know, obviously from, from my line of work, you know, I hear World Series of Fighting, you talk to this guy, this guy. Do you, right. do you guys want to be involved in that game or do you have a different business model? Would you prefer the sort of homegrown type of guys like the Gaethje's, the Marais, guys who have really come up through your organization as opposed to right. spending the big bucks? You know, like Bellator is doing that and, and I think that's good for their business model. But for yours, do you guys not get involved as much in the free agency signing stuff because you want to develop more of your own guys? I, I think it's uh, a bit of both, really. You know, uh, obviously, if it makes sense for us, we'll do, we'll do it. But... Uh, but ultimately, yeah, for us, it's building our young talent, like the Gages, like the Marlon Moraes, um, like Branch, you know. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, for us, it works. And, and I think it's it's a good thing to kind of bring up our own champions and um, and just see them develop and become the, the amazing fighters that they are. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so to recap, for those who missed it, uh, December 31st is going to have three title fights, plus you'll have a show on NBCSN. Are we going to start seeing more shows on NBC? I know you had that one, and there was talk of doing like a couple a year. Is this the beginning of doing more on network television for you guys? 
That is correct. Oh, yeah. Yes, those are discussions, but yes, that is correct. Yes, I, I've said I'd like to see it. You know, I, I know it's frustrating for you guys because you're booking these shows a year out and then here comes the UFC and you have to adjust. Um, <laughs> but I feel like sometimes, you know, you're going head to head and it's 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 unfair because you guys have great cards. Um, right. you know, like the, the, the one a couple of weeks ago was on a little later for, you know, someone like me who sleeps very early on the East Coast. Uh, I want to see NBCSN give you guys a lot of support, more support, if I'm being honest. Right. No, yeah, you know, uh, they they really do. And uh, those have been in discussions as well. And I think uh, 2017 uh, is the, uh, you know, is the big boom. And uh, we're moving forward very positively. Uh, absolutely. You know, the UFC with the, the November 12th card, I think, you know, that night should belong to the UFC because it's the debut of their show in, in at the Garden as well as in New York. So, you know, I wish them the very best because I think that they've got an amazing stack card for that show. Great call on your part. Uh, one last thing before I let you go, Ray. Um, Chael Sonnen has done some broadcasting work for you guys, but as you know, he recently signed with Bellator. He said that he's going to still do some World Series of Fighting shows. Is that accurate? Are you still going to use him on your broadcast? Um, that's something, you know, I've said this before too, you know, that's something that uh, he and Carlos and myself need to sit down and discuss. But, um, I, I just don't see that being very likely because it's kind of weird and correct me if I'm wrong, but it'd be kind of weird to have a, a, a fighter fight for one league and be a commentator for another. I, I see what, what you're saying. You What's your take on that? You know what? I think if he's still available and contractually he can do it, I say do it only because he's such a good personality to have on your television. I think he's a professional. He's not going to bash World Series of Fighting. He's not going to promote Bellator on your show. He is such a big name and a recognizable face and voice that I think that if he can do it, I don't see it being that big of a problem, to be honest. And I think that that's actually the way the sport should move, where guys are kind of, you know, the promotions aren't always fighting with each other and more, you know, on the same page in unison, if you get what I'm saying. Well, you know what? <laughs> you know, Ariel, since you put it that way, <laughs> I think we should make it happen then. Positivity, Ray, right? Isn't that what you said? Exactly. You got to right? be positive. Look, Look, Ch- Ch- is a great guy. He is a great you guy. Know. Yeah, nothing but love and respect for Chael. And um, uh, now that uh, I've gotten the blessings of Ariel Halwani, I'm in. There we go. You know, now we should look at making it happen. Okay. Well, then I look forward to seeing him on December 31st on NBC. Chael should give me a cut of that, a cut of that deal, you know, if he gets uh, some big bucks for the TV stuff. Um, But that is exciting. Sorry, say it again. No, I'm saying, is he paying you, you know, behind the uh, Not, Not at the moment, but I am going to call Chael P and uh, cut a deal with them. Ray, I appreciate your time. Yes, you were just yeah, no, no, I'm not. That is Mike Roberts, and uh, that's his problem. Uh, thank you very much for coming on the show and announcing it. I, I appreciate it. Looking forward to December 31st. Again, three title fights. We've got Justin Gaethje against uh, Zafrino for the lightweight title. We've got John Fritz versus Jake Shields, which is, you know, I mean, those two names say it all for the welterweight title. And Marlon Moraes versus the dreaded TBA. When do you expect to announce that TBA, by the way? Hopefully by uh, the end of this week. Okay. All right. Looking forward to that. Uh, congrats on re-signing I'll him as well. I'll let you know you, you can announce All it. right. Thank you, Ray. I like that. Appreciate it. Best of luck to you guys. Thank you. Okay. There he is. Ray Sefo, the president of World Series of Fighting, announcing that their November 12th show, their second show in uh, December, uh, scrapped, if you will, and they're going to load the deck, so to speak on December 31st in New York City. So that means that the first two big events in New York City, UFC, World Series of Fighting, both will feature three title fights.
Interesting stuff. Appreciate his time. Thank you for coming on, Ray. Um, okay, let us move along. I said this last week. Uh, after UFC 204, and I mentioned it at the top of the show as well, a ton of you, an amazing amount of you said, where's Mike Perry? Where's Platinum Perry? Why isn't he on the show? And as you know, I like to deliver for you, our loyal fans, our loyal listeners and viewers. So this week, we have Mike Perry for you. You asked for him, you got him. But before we move along, let me tell you once again about my good friends over at Dollar Shave Club. You know I love them. Using it for a while. The shave is fantastic. And as I mentioned last time, the body wash, shaving cream. There are other products as well. Top notch, not just the razors. They've got a whole host of different products. Really great stuff. They make me look and smell like a trillion bucks. Dollar Shave Club has stuff for your hair, for your face, for your underparts, for everywhere to keep you feeling and looking fresh. Trust me, once you're in the club, you'll see they've got the best grooming products on the market and they're all affordable. Right now is your chance to see for yourself why so many of us love Dollar Shave Club. If you're not a member yet and have never joined, now's the time. You'll get your first month of razors free, just pay shipping, and after that, it's only a few bucks. Trust me on this. Join them today. Much more than just razors, they've got it all. Essential for any male out there. So go to dollarshaveclub.com slash MMA. Once again, that's dollarshaveclub.com slash MMA. Now back to the show. He's joining us on the phone right now. Mike Perry, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you, Ariel? Uh, Mike, a lot has changed since we last spoke. You have developed a very loyal following. Did you know this? I I seen uh, some of the death threats. What? You know, slow down, and they. <laughs> I was getting a little death threats on Twitter, and they've turned more into okay. I've become a fan now. So death threats. That's, that's all right. Why are they threatening you? I don't know. They got mad about the handshake thing. A lot of people hated on me. Sure. I, they were like fake Twitter pages and stuff like that. People would make a page called uh, Platinum Sucks and just comment me off of the page that they made, just saying that I suck. So, uh, is, is this something that you had to get used to, like sort of this newfound fame, a lot more people knowing, like, were you getting annoyed about this early on and had to kind of relax and understand that maybe these are people just trying to get a reaction out of you? Um, I mean, I guess I kind of always figured that it would be that way and there would always be haters because if you ain't got haters, you might not be doing it right, but I mean, I guess, you know, it was it was still new to me for sure. I mean, it, it's a lot bigger than than the small shows that I fought for before I got to the UFC. So, yeah, it was it was different and I had to learn. So right after we spoke, uh, you got booked to fight in Manchester against uh, Danny Roberts. Um, first, before we actually talk about the fight, what was the experience like for you being in England Fighting an English fighter, you know, late at night, it was your fight was at around what, uh, 1 a.m. or so local time. Just the whole experience of being overseas and fighting a local guy, what was that like for you? Did you enjoy it? Absolutely, man. I, um, I went out of the country one time, I went to the Bahamas, but that's that's like across the street from Florida, so right. <laughs> it was crazy to be on the other side of the world, a totally different time set, and a different type of people. Uh, people seem nice over there, you know, but. Um, it was, it was wild. I just, I, I don't know if I got to enjoy it too much cause I was focused on business and, you know, I did a little shopping the day of the fight and after the fight, but, um, it was, it was pretty surreal. And also like all the booze that I got 
um, kind of helped me. Like, I felt a little nervous walking out to the fight. It was like, it seemed more intense than 202. Wow. And um, just because at 202, I felt like I had nothing to lose. And at 204, I was like, well, you know, I've made something of myself now. I can't, I can't go back now. I got to do this. So let's go. And then um, the crowd just all booing me just made me feel better. I was like, well. Almost feels like I got nothing to lose again. <laughs> so, so you go out there and it turns into this unbelievable slugfest, highs and lows, roller coaster. Eventually, you win the fight in impressive fashion. You finish it, but but overall, were you happy with your performance? Like, are you happy that it turned into this slugfest, or would you have preferred a quicker fight, sort of like what you've been used to throughout your career? No, nah, man, I had fun, man. Um, it was a great time getting in there and actually getting to go three rounds and almost the whole three rounds and then finishing it the way I do. It, it came out of, I mean, it came out of my pocket. Y'all say it came out of nowhere, but I I was ready for it. I was setting it up and a thought came into my head. I actually got a Snapchat from a friend of mine that day. It was a text. He Snapchatted me in the morning. He's a great boxer. He's 13 and 0. His name is Miguel Cruz. He said, he's Southpaw. Don't forget the straight right lead. A lot of these MMA guys don't do all the boxing stuff. And um, at the end of the fight, there was like 40 seconds left. And I realized, man, he's flipping my left hand and his head is right there. For I kept putting the jab out there the whole fight. And then I, I would touch him with one and then not the second. So I wouldn't let the right hand go. And then I realized, oh, man, he's, he keeps slipping my jab. I didn't realize that his head's right there for the right hand. So I didn't throw the jab and I just threw the right. Boom. And it wobbled him. And I was like, that's it. And then I set it up and did it again. And that was the end of the fight. I was like, man, I, I, it all went through my head so fast at the end. Um, the referee, Mark Goddard, received a little bit of heat. Uh, people, including myself, thought it ended a little late, that he could have stepped in earlier. Do you agree with that? Um, I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, give me a chance to hit him again. You know what I mean? No, if he's out, he's out. But I feel Goddard did the best he could have done that night, you know, and it happened the way it happened. Uh, I'm sure Danny's all right. He's going to be all right. And he'll fight again and beat some people up. And he's a good, uh, good fighter. And, um, God, it's a good referee. After the fight, a lot of people were tweeting me like, okay, just give them the check now for fight of the night. I mean, it seemed like a shoe in. And then of course the main event happens. You don't get the bonus. Were you pissed off that you didn't get the fight of the night bonus? No, no, man. It's a ple- uh, pleasure and a privilege to be out there and put on a show in front of uh, thousands in attendance and millions watching. Um, I'm happy to be there. I would almost do it for free if if, if, if it didn't pay so Don't well. Don't say that. Don't say that. They'll, they'll actually take <laughs> no. you up on that offer. No, I'm just playing. I'm playing. <laughs> I, it take, I take too much attrition, I guess, to, to do it for free, man. If I'm going to put on the best fights, the world gets to see then I'm going to get obliged for it. Someone actually tweeted me before the show. They said, I think it was Saturday morning or Friday morning that they saw you walking around and you were actually walking around with 10 G's in your pocket. Is that true? <laughs> no. no uh, well, I mean, if it was that time that I talked to you on the phone last time, yeah, that was true. I really had that 10 G's and I bought a few things. And What'd you buy? Uh, I'm living. 
I, I got a car. I got oh. me a um, a nice little car, something reliable with AC and a, a good radio, you know, something to cruise around in with a 2016 low miles and kept it classy and low-key, nothing too crazy. I didn't fall out, you know. I like to be mature, and I also bought some jewelry so I'd look good at the next weigh-ins, and oh, yeah. I got some tattoos and, um, you know, some... I just, and I put a lot of it in the bank, you know, I'm living comfortable. I bought a lot of cookie skillets and cheesecake, man. Cookie skillets? You're you're a big baker? Um, not a baker. I go to Chili's. And actually, I mean, me and my girl baked one last night, though. Instead of going to Chili's, we went to Walmart and got some cookie dough and made a big one and <laughs> ate with some French vanilla ice cream. Man, wow. I like sweets. Look at you, living the life over there, huh? Not that crazy. Uh, speaking of speaking of tattoos, I, I noticed that I think over your left eyebrow, you have a new tattoo there, right? Platinum. Yeah, my yeah, man, my right eyebrow. Uh, your yeah, right eyebrow. Platinum. Uh, what what prompted that? I mean, the the face tattoo is is a bold move, as you know. What prompted that? Well, I've I always wanted to get a tattoo on my face, really, just something. Um, you know, I like tattoos. I like how they look. I like how they feel. But, um, and then I got, I took an elbow over the eye and I got this nasty cut right there. And, uh, it actually happened before I fought hung you limp. Oh, but, um, I got, uh, so I thought, well, now the world has seen me. I made it into the UFC. Maybe I wouldn't have made it in had I already had the tattoo on my face. So now, you know, I can't lose or else they'll probably get rid of me. Like, oh, he's got a tattoo on his face. We don't want him here. But as long as I win, they probably won't get rid of me. So I got the tattoo. And to let everybody know, man, platinum comes first. I'm, I'm going to live a platinum lifestyle. Um, God, that's my that's my um, antenna signal to God. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to run pl- with that. I said it last time. Yes. I'm going to run with it. Well, what is a platinum lifestyle? Um, happiness to the highest, man. I think, you know what I mean? I also, uh, big boats, yachts, oh. airplanes one day, maybe. Damn. Chilling on cruises, eating good food. Um, got a beautiful woman and, and, you know, enjoying life to the fullest and just being happy and not being, not being brought down by all the crazy stuff out here. Do you expect or want to get more face tattoos? No. That's it? Yeah, man, pretty much. Okay, okay. Um, by the way, how, how much you got in your pocket right now? Just because last time it was 10000 it kind of took me by surprise. What do you got now? So I got my mouthpiece in my pocket. I was uh, <laughs> I was doing some work with my training partner, Alex Spartan Nicholson, getting ready for Sam Alvey November 5th in Mexico. Right. Uh, just giving him some training. You know, I'm already back in the gym working, baby. I'm getting ready for some work in December. Okay, tell Not us. Hasn't signed yet, though. Well, what is it? You you tweeted I, yesterday that you have some I news. I know. I thought because also I seen a text message that said that I would be telling you today on the show. Okay, and go I ahead. Text my manager, and yeah. I was like, "What's up, man? Can I tell him?" But it hasn't been signed yet. Like he hasn't sent me the agreement, and I'm assuming because. The opponent hasn't signed the agreement. I wonder if he's just, he's contemplating the end of his career. Oh. You know, having trouble signing that. Well, mean, you could tell us about I'm a verbal agreement. Like, you haven't signed it, but you can tell us what you verbally agreed to, right? Oh, well, well, you know, like, we don't have to beat around the bush. It has been reported that you're going to fight Matt Brown. Is that the guy? 
It might be. Um, I was told I really had to be careful and that oh. you were going to be sly and try to pull me in, but what? I haven't signed anything. Who said so that? I can't dare. <laughs> Are you kidding? I can't dare give that information away. Are you ki- Who's telling you that I'm sly? I mean, that I, honestly, I'm a little offended. I mean, I know you're a smart guy. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. See, that's different than sly. Smart and sly are two different words. But I wouldn't ask no, I you this. I don't think so. I'm from the hood. Sly is a smart guy in my hood. You okay. Know what I mean? Fair I enough. don't mean you're a, you're a snake. I just mean like, you know, you you um, you can nicely manipulate things. Okay, let me your, ask your, let me ask you this. If it is Matt Brown, do you like that fight? I mean, it seems like I the would, internet I'll is fight Matt Brown. Okay. I would love to fight Matt Brown. Pay me for it. He's a he's a vet, man. That's that could a, be his last fight ever. You think you you think he's reached that point? I mean, who knows? If if I put these hands on him, he might or he come back. I mean, he is the immortal Brown. He's tough as hell. I've seen him go through wars. So who's to say that I'm the one to take him out? Who's to say I'm not? Training will be the decipher uh, of that, man. Uh, Name-wise, that's a nice little jump for you. Because I remember after you won at 202, you were calling out Robbie Lawler and Johnny Hendricks. You were calling out all the big names. But then after 204, you were saying like top 20, top 30. Why did you kind of take a step back? Were you just a little bit tired at that point? No, I wanted to be uh I wanted to be taken seriously, I guess. I mean I meant the at two oh two I meant to say Tyrone Woodley. I said Robbie Lawler's name twice in the video. I meant to say Tyrone Woodley as well. I mean he's the champ. Of course I wanna be the champion. But I also said uh in an interview, you know, top twenty, top thirty because I would like to be forty and oh, fifty and oh one day. Damn. If I go I mean, don't get me wrong. Everybody in the UFC is an outstanding world-class competitor. So for me to go to the number one guys and then have everybody running at me with swords and knives trying to take me down, let me climb my way up, get more money, more fight before I, you know, I don't know. You know, I want to have a long, illustrious career. I don't want it to end abruptly. I don't want to get super famous, win the title, and then just be taken out. Who knows? Then I could be John Jones and just and without all the other stuff. Sure. Just keep the just keep the belt forever. You know what I mean? Whatever they give me, I just I follow God's path. I hope I hope God guides me and and pushes me and to what I need to do next and gives me the next fight. It doesn't matter who they put in front of me. They can put Matt Brown. They can put number. 50 or number 30 or number 20 or they could put um number one uh, tyrone woodley or champion i it doesn't doesn't matter that night will be my night because i will train for that night to beat that opponent and i will when you talk about that i'm reminded of that tattoo on your on your um your stomach god's gift do you think that people have misinterpreted that tattoo like when they see that tattoo they think that you're being conceited but you're just saying that you're like a, you're coming you're your god's sort of disciple is that is, am i reading into this too much yes yeah, so, no somebody some people take it that way they're taking it like oh he thinks he's god's gift that i'm god's gift to this or whatever no that's not why i got the tattoo i'm looking to get more tattoos there in the, that place that kind of help explain that tattoo but giving me the opportunity now what i mean is i 
I am gifted when it comes to uh, athletic ability. I'm just a naturally athletic person. I'm very strong. I'm very fast. Um, I have a hard work ethic. I have heart. Um, God gifted me for this tough life that I'm choosing to live. And I'm not the gift at all. I just, I have been given a couple and I'm, I'm blessed to have them. I'm sure many people are given gifts from God. And uh, I got it in the center of my body because my body is the gift for the things that it can do, not for who I am or what it is or how I look or how I feel. It's just what I can do. And I know that I'm capable of, of doing great things. Okay. I understand. Um, do you feel like this is, per- if you do get the fight in December, this is perfect for you because this will be your fifth fight in 2015, excuse me, 2016, dating back to November of 2015. It'll be your sixth fight in like 13 months if you get one in in, in December. Is that is that how you like to be super active? Hell yeah. Let's fight. What else do I do this for? <laughs> to, to win a few thousand dollars and then take a break? No, nah, man. I'm here to just take over and and I fight because I love it. Let's fight, let's fight, let's fight everybody. Uh I hope I you know, I'm hoping I get to sign that agreement today. Oh. And get ready for this fight and and you know, maybe fight five times next year too. Who knows? Who knows by the end of the year I could be fighting for that belt next year. Is that is that what you're you 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 envision that? Do you foresee that? Is that what you're thinking? I do. I do. This time next year, Mike Perry's fighting for the belt. Or are you the champion already this time next year? <laughs> I'll say I'll be fighting for the championship. I'll be, wow. uh, let's see, maybe 13-0, and 14-0, and 0, wow. fighting for the title. That is unbelievable. Do you feel like you have a massive bullseye on your back now because you're gaining all this popularity? The fans really seem to like you. Um. A bullseye for who? The fans and the people who... No, your fellow fighters. Do you feel like your fellow fighters are coming after you? Like before you kind of flew in under the radar, you took a fight on short notice, you know, your fight pass fight, and but now it seems like, okay, people know what to expect from you. You know, you're, 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 you're a name. Now people know who you are. They know who Mike Perry is, you know? Do you feel like your fighters, your fellow welterweights are gunning for you? Um, sure, maybe some of them. I know that uh, somebody tweeted Kobe Covington and was like, yeah, you need to get that fight. When we were talking all that trash before, and he was like, I'll smash you, da-da-da. Then he goes, oh, I'm looking for a bigger opportunity. Apparently, I don't have enough yet. Uh, I'm not a big enough opportunity for Kobe Covington. So, uh, you know, maybe he's not gonna for me. Maybe there's others. Maybe there's ones above me watching their backs. Maybe they think I'm coming for them. And I am. Wow. Well, that would be interesting. Um... So, all right, so you can't necessarily break anything, but be on the. Maybe you text me, you give me a heads up. How are we going to do this? Because I got excited, you know? I got the tweet, I saw it, there it was. I will, yeah. I'm sorry because I tweeted out, and <laughs> I feel bad now because I tweeted out because I thought I was going to be able to tell everybody. As soon as I sign this thing, man, I'll text you the name. And you can put it out there. All right, but you I'll like put it. Put it out there, too. If, if, if it comes to fruition, you like this fight. Yeah. You pretty much like every fight, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Baking, what, what What are we making tonight, you and the girlfriend? You guys making anything good? Ooh, um, I don't know. We still got half a pan of cookies <laughs> left. Um, she might cook me 
something delicious, I'm sure. We've been going out to eat too much. It's time to get back on the diet or oh. just clean eating and get ready to fight in December. Uh, I got kind of fat. I put on 30 pounds in five days after what? Uh, the 204. How did you put on so much weight? What do you eat? Cookie skillets and cheesecake, bro. That's it? What's your favorite cheesecake? Oh, I'm, I had one in Manchester. And it was the day uh, before the fight, or the it was the night of weigh-ins, and we went to this Italian place. I don't remember the name, but it was like a berry cheesecake. Oh, my gosh. It was so good, man. Wow. So I've been, like, trying to, all these different cheesecakes and trying to look for, like, berry ones and raspberry <laughs> ones and stuff. They're, they're really good. All right. Well, good luck in that search. You'll, you'll probably have to cut back a little bit now that it seems like you're going to fight in around two months or so. Um <laughs> But enjoy the ride, my friend. Uh, the, the people have taken notice of you. And uh, if it is Matt Brown in December, they seem to be very excited about that. So uh, that is good news for you in the UFC. I look forward to hearing who that opponent is. Wish you the best of luck and, and good to catch up with you. And also congratulations on your, uh, your second UFC win a couple of weeks ago in Manchester. Thank you very much, Ariel. All right. We'll talk to you again soon, man. Yep. Have a good day. You too. There he is. Peace. Mike Perry joining us on the phone. A fan favorite already. Turning his life around, getting paid, getting big fights. If it is Matt Brown, I think it's a great fight. A, a kind of classic Joe Silva type fight. A veteran, up-and-comer, two hard hitters being reported. I think a Brazilian outlet reported it. We'll see. Looks like he got the muzzle. But uh, it appears as though that's the one that people are targeting right now okay good stuff from mike let us move along very excited for our next guest how about this we've got royalty on our hands my friends wow this is very exciting stuff two-time olympic gold medalist first american to win a gold medal in judo uh, as i told you earlier just the ninth judoka to win double gold in olympic history i mean this is incredible stuff uh kayla harrison is joining us right now on the phone kayla how are you I'm good. How are you? I am great. Wow. What an honor it is to have you on our show. This is amazing stuff. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for having me. Uh, let me be the, you know, the one millionth person to congratulate you on the second gold. Uh, that happened. Thank you. That happened around like two months ago now. How drastic has your life changed since? Yeah, it's been a big change. You know, I went from training three to four times a day to not training at all and, and missing that feeling of competing. But um, life's been busy, a lot of parties, a lot of speaking, a lot of appearances, um, trying to get in workouts whenever I can, but life's good. It's changed in a positive way. That's for sure. Is there a big difference between being a two-time Olympic gold medalist as opposed to a one-time Olympic gold medalist? Um, I think the lead up to the second one is just a lot different than the first. You know, when we went to London, none of us had ever done it before. My team, you know, my coach, Jimmy Pedro and his dad, big Jim. Um, had been in the sport for 40 years, and we were all chasing that elusive gold. So going and winning the first was amazing, but the second time around, the last four years, were definitely more of a grind. It was definitely more um, of a selfish pursuit to try and be not just one of the best in the United States I've ever seen, but to be one of the best in the sport, period. So a little bit different of a, of a pressure, I would say. How about after the fact? Do you feel like you're getting more attention because you did it twice back-to-back than you did after the first one? And let's be honest, judo in America doesn't get the same kind of attention as you know, right. track and field, basketball, right. you know, the, the major sports. But I feel like given your success and, of course, what Ronda Rousey has done in MMA, right. uh, a lot more people are talking about judo these days. 
Definitely. I think it's been, you know, I've definitely gotten a lot more exposure this time around. People knew to watch me because of the success in London. And obviously everything that Ron has done in the martial arts world for women has really helped propel me to sort of the next level of, I guess, celebrity status. I wouldn't really call myself a celebrity, but, you know, you definitely get more appearances and more um, media attention and things like that. So it's been good. And I think it's sort of just a perfect storm because Ronda has done such a good job of propelling women's MMA. And now I'm trying to propel judo and it's all kind of working out. Um, okay, so right after you won the second Olympic gold uh, two months ago in Rio, you pretty much said you're done. Are, are we sticking to that two months later? <laughs> Have you officially retired? Yeah. Um, it, it's not official yet, but I, I can't see myself ever stepping on the judo mat again unless it was for um, a really, really good reason. But like I said before, winning a second gold has definitely satisfied me. It's, you know, I, I'm happy with my career. I have nothing left to prove. I've won everything there is to win in judo. So now it's time to focus on some new goals, new challenges. And now when you say it's not official, like, what, what are you waiting for? Uh, I guess just the dust to settle. And, and I, I still haven't really, you know, I'm talking to Big Jim and Jimmy about it. But for me, you know, we, we spoke briefly and we were all sort of on the same page that, that my judo career is most likely over unless there was some kind of cool super fight or super match or something like that. But for the most part, I, I will probably never compete um, in a judo gi again. Are you at peace with that? Yeah. I mean, it's a struggle. You know, you wake up every day for 20 years of your life and you have one goal, and then all of a sudden you wake up and it's over. So it's it's definitely been a struggle for me, I think, mentally just to to try and find a new path and a new goal, but I am, I'm at peace with my career and I feel really, I feel really proud of everything that me and my team has accomplished and yeah, life is good. Now you are a big story in our world because a lot of people are wondering if you would follow in Rhonda's footsteps, you would transition over to MMA. You were asked about mixed martial arts and a potential career in MMA almost like minutes after you won that second gold medal <laughs> yeah. and you kind of, you kind of poo-pooed it. You, you kind of shut it down and everyone was a little bummed out. <laughs> Uh, two months later, have you you know changed your stance at all, or are you are you not interested at all in a in a move to MMA? I wouldn't say that I'm not interested, but I will say that I'm interested in in, in MMA in, a, in an aspect where competitors are treated as competitors and not as celebrities or as um, showmen. So all I mean when I poo pooed it was that I'm not interested in being a, a talker or a someone who is just all about the show. I want to I want to do my show in the cage or on the mat or wherever that is. You know, I'm a competitor and in the Olympics, you take sport to the highest level and it's a lot in judo, you know, you very much, it's about respect and it's about, um, you know, showing respect to your opponents and showing respect to the crowd and the referees and things like that. And it's not really, I don't think that currently a lot of people in the MMA world understand what I mean when I say that, I, but I'm not, I'm not against MMA. I'm not against um, fighting. I just want to fight at the highest level I can in sport um, and do it with a certain amount of respect. So if there's a company out there that's willing to work with me in that aspect, then I'll never say never. Okay, there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, first off, are, are you a fan of mixed martial arts? Like, do you like watching it on television? <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I like watching it. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm like an avid fan, but I catch the fights now and then. I don't think, you know... It's the Dana White quote is so true. Like if a baseball game is going on and a, and a basketball game is going on, but a fight breaks out in the middle, everybody at the playground stops to watch the fight. I think that's true for all of us. And at the end of the day, what I do is is a version of fighting. It's a very controlled. Um, it's a very controlled violence. 
But I, I'm a fan of MMA, and I've, I've started, you know, I've started doing jujitsu um, with Hendo Gracie and everybody, and and I've started taking some boxing lessons, and, oh. and I'm just getting, I'm getting my feet wet a little bit. So, so you've been to Hendo Gracie's gym here in New York. Yeah. And and you're actually training with Master Hendo himself. I've had some lessons with Master Hendo, but hopefully, I'm based out of Boston, so yeah. it's a little bit of a hike to sure. get up there. But um, so my teammate Travis Stevens is a black belt under. Hendo and John Donaher, and I've been having some lessons with him, working on all the stuff that I don't really know. Um, but I really enjoy it. It's a new challenge. It's a new, new phase for me, and it's it's definitely different from judo. <laughs> well, well, this is an interesting development, Caleb, because for someone who didn't seem all that interested in MMA, here you are doing a little boxing, a little jujitsu. When you talk about a promotion who's out there that would value just the you know the 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 athletics part of MMA and not the mm-hmm. showmanship. Is that, and I, I feel compelled to ask, is that sort of a shot at the UFC? Like, do you feel like the UFC values the other stuff more than the actual athleticism and sport aspect of MMA? Um, I'm not trying to take shots at anybody. I'm really not, um, <laughs> I'm not a controversial person and I don't like confrontation or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not taking shots at anybody. It's just how I feel. It's how I choose to live my life. And that's, I mean, I, when I say that, I really mean it. I love competing and I love fighting. Um, but I'm not a big talker and I'm not, you know, Rhonda and I were teammates for years, but Rhonda is much more controversial than me and she's not afraid to say, you know, screw you to whoever she feels like it. And that is something, you know, I applaud her for, but it's not, I'm a little bit more diplomatic, I would say. So I'm not, I'm not, um, giving anybody, I'm not attacking anybody. I just think that if I were ever going to fit into the MMA world, I would want to fit into a, a group that values the athleticism of fighters and not necessarily um, what comes out of their mouth. Fair enough. But you know, like, not everyone is cut from the same cloth. Like, there are 500 fighters on the UFC roster. For sure, for not- sure. And a lot of them are super respectful and very deep into the, the, the martial arts culture. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not crapping on anyone, I promise. Uh, so, are you not a big fan, and I don't want you to go that route, but, um, you know, just because of your connection and the way she is, as you, as you spelt it out, are you not a big fan of like the way she's gone about her career, Rhonda. Yeah. Listen, Rhonda was made for MMA. I mean, she—if she wasn't the person that she is, if she didn't step up and say the things that she said and do the things that she didn't have the sex success that she had, then women's MMA would not be where it is today. So, I in no way, shape, or form am, am putting her down for that. It's just not who I am. Yeah. We're very different people. I'm, I'm not trying to be the next Ronda Rousey. I'm just trying no. to be Kayla Harrison. Yeah, I don't think anyone wants you to be. Um, do you still have a relationship with her? Yeah. You guys are still... Are you surprised at how... Like, she has become a cultural icon. Did you did you see yeah. this in her? Did you think that she would turn into this? Um, I mean, if you had... If you could have seen us in 2008, living in a judo house with a bunch of men, training every day, like, just living sort of a very under-the-radar life, living in that grind. If you had told me that she was going to be where she is today, um, I probably would have laughed, and I think she would have, too. So, wow. But I'm super happy for her, and I'm proud of her. I'm proud of everything she's accomplished, and she's set for life. You know, she can she can honestly do whatever she wants, and she can, and she can impact the world in a big way. So that's very powerful, and that's something that she should be proud of. And um, I don't know, maybe one day, maybe one day I'll have that same honor. Is it annoying when people try to compare you to her? I wouldn't say it's annoying. I just think it's, um, you know, we're different. We're different people. We're we're not 
um, we did the same sport, but it doesn't mean that we're the same. And she was a mentor to me growing up, and she, you know, she played a big role in my life um, at, a, at a very important and crucial time in my life. But at the end of the day, like I said, I'm just I'm Kayla Harrison. I'm not the next Sonda Rousey. Are you surprised that she's coming back to MMA? Uh, no, I'm not. You know, I think down but never out is sort of yeah. And, you know, she comes from the Pedros, and we're, I mean, the people act like this is like the first loss in her life, but sure. it's not. You know, she's lost on the highest stages, and, you know, she's lost at the World Championships, she's lost at the Olympics, she's lost on the biggest stages, and she's found a way to come back and um, be better than ever. So I'm not surprised at all, and I expect, you know, big things from her, and a true champion isn't defined by when they win, but when they lose and what they do about it. How many, can, can you give us, because I'm sure there are tons, how many promotions, MMA promotions, have reached out to you, your management, inquiring about your interest in MMA since you won the second gold? I'm sure it's um, a lot. I would say there's, uh, there's been a few. I would say at least three big ones that I can think of right now. Oh, which but ones? More than that, for sure. Can you tell us uh, which? Uh, not right now. You don't kiss and tell. <laughs> I don't kiss and tell, that's right. <laughs> are, are, and, Business is business, and nothing's official, and oh. I'm still doing a lot of soul-searching about it, but um, I've definitely had interest, of course. Like like you said, like I literally got off the mat. I won my second Olympic gold medal. I was like pouring sweat, and I went back to the media mix zone, and the first question out of everybody's mouth was, congratulations, now are you doing MMA? <laughs> so, was that annoying that you couldn't at least revel in the victory for a few minutes? Um, no, because I don't... I mean, it doesn't matter to me what everyone wants me to do. It's about what I want to do and what my team and I decide on. And um, I think it's great that everyone has, you know, MMA is, for women is becoming super, super popular and it's growing by the, you know, exponentially. It's, I think it's the third fastest growing sport in our country right now for women. So that's amazing. And it's awesome that if I choose to, I have another route to go besides just to be able to stay involved in sport and not just be a coach or um, teach clinics or, or do whatever. Like I have an opportunity to go and fight and make money. Um, if that's what I choose to do. Is it fair to say that there are offers on the table now? It's just up to you to decide whether or not you want to pursue this. Correct. Oh, interesting. Do you have a deadline? Like do you have to decide by a certain point? (laughs) No, not really. (laughs) Okay. Interesting. So they're just kind of there. We're on Kayla time right now. And I just, yeah, it's a big decision, you know. It's I know. a really, really big decision. So I'm taking my time and I'm talking to everybody that I care about and I'm getting everybody's opinion. But at the end of the day, I got to go with what my heart and my gut tells me. And um, I think I don't know. I got I got I got to figure it out. As you may know, there are less weight classes as far as like the major leagues of MMA for women right. as there are for men. Right. Um, if you were to fight an MMA, what would be your ideal weight class? Um, I think realistically, like I would have to cut off both my legs to make 135, so that's out for sure. Um, I've made 145 before, but it was many moons ago. I actually had to put on. I moved up two weight classes when when um, Rhonda and I moved to the same training center, so I put on about 20 pounds of muscle before the 2012 Olympics, and I've sat there ever since. So I'd have to lose some weight and I'd have to figure it out, but I think 145 would be doable for me. Okay, wow. In a, in a hypothetical world. That, that, that is fascinating because the, the talk, again, as you may know, is that there are not a, a lot of 145 fighters out there. There's not a lot mm-hmm. of talent coming up. Uh, I can think of no bigger name than you as far as a potential prospect <laughs> at 145. When's the last time you competed at 145? Uh, that would be 2008. 2008. When you were, you, were, you were part of the team, but you didn't compete in the 2008 Olympics, right? 
No, I am. So shortly before the 2008 Olympics, I moved up, like I said, to weight classes. Ronda was fighting 70 kilos at the time, so I moved up to 78 because I could no longer make um, 63 kilos in a healthy manner. Um, Because for judo, it's a lot different. You know, we're way in the day day of. It used to be, and it was um, tournaments every weekend almost. You you stay in Europe for three months at a time or whatever and fight back to back to back to back. So it's a little bit different from the MMA world where you have a fight maybe twice a year. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely have to, to check it out. I would love, you know, Rhonda started at 155 when she was in her amateur career and then she moved down to 145 and then she moved down to 135. So, yeah. and I talked to her about it and she said, listen, it's so different from judo and it's, you know, you're doing all different workouts and your body's moving differently all the time. And it's not just like, it's funny because you become so sort of like, I can do a judo workout. Like I, so this is a great example. Like I, go to boxing and I, and I'm boxing for an hour and I don't spar with anybody and I don't, I just hit the bag and I hit mitts and I work on, you know, the positioning and I work on the movements and everything and I'm pouring sweat and I'm exhausted after one hour, but I could go to a judo, you know, I could go to a judo workout, work out for an hour and a half, do indoor or, or spar with everybody the whole time. And I wouldn't be as dead as I am when I'm done boxing. Like it's, I'm so efficient at judo and I've learned it. I've done it my whole life. I could do it with my eyes closed. So it's a different it's a different world. Um, perhaps that's because your body and your mind are now being trained to do things that you're not as used to. So that is a fascinating um, anecdote about you know how it can impact your body. Uh, any chance that you would go train with Rhonda just to get your feet wet and see what it's like? Um, I mean, she lives she lives pretty far away yeah. from me, so it would have to be for a little short yeah. period of time. But I'm not I'm not against it. I'm definitely might reach out to her and talk to her about that. But um, right now, I'm just just getting my feet wet at home when I'm at home anyways yep. and feeling it out. Have you sparred yet? Like, what's it like getting punched in the face if you've done that? I have not been punched okay. in the face yet. So that's kind of why I'm still doing some soul searching. Sure. I know that that day's going to come when I get punched in the face and maybe I love it and maybe I hate it. Any idea? Like, have you circled that date on your calendar? Do you know that on November 15th you're going to get punched <laughs> in the face? You want me to, like, break it down for you, huh? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to get punched in the face on this day. On this and day. Then, and then you next could... day, I'm going to make that decision. Yes. Um, no, I, ha- I don't have any specific date in mind. I'm really just, it's, my schedule is so crazy right now. Like, I was in L.A. yesterday. I'm on my way to New York today. I'm home for, like, two days, and I go to give a bunch of speeches and do a bunch of appearances, so... I'm just letting the dust settle a little bit. And once that happens, then I'll probably get punched in the face and see if I like it. If you don't become an MMA fighter, what do you think you do for the next 10 years or so? 10 years? Uh... Like, well, like what's the, cause you know, Rhonda in our world, again, I don't mean to continue to compare, but she is coming from your world into our world. And, uh, she said that, you know, she kind of felt like she was left with nothing after the Olympic experience wasn't set up, mm-hmm. made no money. So, you know, she had to go into MMA to, to make a living and, you know, God bless her. Mm-hmm. She made a great mm-hmm. living. How do you make that living post judo? Um, and of course your credentials better, but you, there, there is no judo, you know, MM, you know, no judo organization that There's you no can, pro judo. yeah, exactly, right, exactly. Exactly. I get it. Um, well, you know, I would really, you know, I'm talking with the International Judo Federation about sort of being a global ambassador for the sport and helping to grow the sport in the United States and, and doing stuff like that. I've also gotten offers to be a coach and I've gotten offers to have my own, you know, training center and I've gotten offers to commentate and I've gotten, you know, there's a lot of opportunities for me. And I also, um, I do a lot of motivational speaking and a lot of public speaking. Um, it's just sort of about my story and and overcoming obstacles and things like that. So there's plenty of opportunity out there for me to make a living. I'm very fortunate in that sense. I think being the first American to win a gold medal 
and then repeating. You know, I was one of only seven American athletes to repeat and defend their title. Wow. So that sort of puts me in a different position. It helps me a lot um, to be able to make a living. Wow. What a, what a distinction yeah. that is. That is unbelievable. Um, do you feel like you get enough love for that? I mean, that is, I mean, I feel like if you were a basketball player or something, you'd probably get more. Do you, yeah. fe- you feel like you get you enough? Know, it's, it's, um, you know, it's a weird, it's a weird um, thing because all Olympians are not created equal. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's, I'm not a gymnast. I'm not a swimmer. I'm not a track and field athlete. I feel like I have gotten a lot more attention and love because of mixed martial arts. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm grateful for that. But I know that I'll never be Simone Biles. I know that I'll never be, you know, um, Missy Franklin or Katie Ledecky or any of those girls. And that's okay with me for now. Um, the things I want to accomplish do require a platform, but um, I'm okay with making my own platform and, and going from there. I don't, I, I appreciate everything that the, it's weird because you, our society is kind of spoiled, right? Like, you know, I wear, walk around in Team USA gear if I have on like the Olympic logo. I get asked all the time, like, oh, are you on the Olympic team? And I say yes. And, and the next question out of everyone's mouth is always, did you win? Huh. And that's sort of interesting Jeez. because we're spoiled in the United States. Like, if I lived in, I don't know, Azerbaijan, I would have $3 million in the banks for winning a gold medal, and I would be set for life or whatever. Yeah. But in America, it's not the same. So you just have to, you just have to deal with it. It is what it is, and I'm going to make the most of it, and I'm going to use my platform to help change the world and... Make it so that the next, you know, the person who's better than Kayla Harrison doesn't have to work quite as hard, hopefully. Amen. Well said. (laughs) Two last quick things. Coolest byproduct to come as a result of winning the gold medals. Uh, Someone you looked up to, a celebrity, whatever, reaching out to you, wishing you congratulations, a little girl coming up. Is there something that sticks out that, you know, kind of blew your mind after this experience? I mean, there's been so many cool moments like that. Like, when you get messages that little girls are going to dress up for you, oh. dress up as you for Halloween, like, that's that's a pretty cool feeling, and that's an amazing experience. Um, I'm going, you know, like, I, I've been invited to all the cool parties and doing a lot of fun stuff. One really cool thing that happened after the Olympics, the first Olympics, that I'm still kind of blow, blown away by is Chuck Norris wrote a blog about me. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, it's Chuck Norris. But, yeah, I mean, there's so many cool moments like that. If you can dig down deep in your gut... What, where, where mm-hmm. will Kayla Harrison ever compete in MMA? What do you, as of stands right now, what's your, what's your gut say? <laughs> you really want to just, you just want an answer, don't you? Well, I like answers. You're yes. A, you're a hard hitting journalist. Well, I'm just I in the answer seeking business. I can't answer that right now. Okay. I just don't know. I, I, at the end of the day, I miss competing. I'm not going to lie to you. I oh. miss that feeling of stepping into, onto a mat and being the best in the world at what I do and, and forcing someone to submit. I miss that. But, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to find that in MMA or if I'm going to find it down another avenue. So never say never. But right now, the answer is I don't know. Okay, fair enough. And, and I do feel compelled <laughs> to tell you. And I thought your comments right after about the state of MMA and how you know sometimes the it's not a you know a meritocracy and all this stuff. I, I I thought that they were spot on. So kudos to you for that. But thank you. I appreciate that. Don't paint us all with the same brush. 
You know what I mean? We're right. different strokes right. for different folks. We're all very accepting over here. Maybe not everyone, but I speak for my, my team here. <laughs> We're accepting and we want to see you transition over. We'd love to have you. And that's just me speaking on behalf of an entire sport. How about that? Um, but what oh, a pleasure. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. A real pleasure and honor to talk to you, Kayla. Really, uh, congratulations on all your success and what, what a joy this was for us. I really appreciate you taking out some time out of your busy schedule to come on the show. I wish you nothing but the best with the decision, with everything going on in your life. Enjoy the gold medals, enjoy everything, and hopefully someday down the road, maybe we'll see you compete. And if not, you know, no hard feelings. You've done enough. All right. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show. It's a blast. Okay. Maybe I'll talk to you again someday. We look forward to that. Thank you very much to Kayla Harrison all for right. stopping by and all the best to her. Congratulations on the two gold medals. All right, let's move along now. UFC 204, a lot of big results. One of the very big ones was Gegard Mousasi's win over Vitor Belfort. He has put that feud to rest. He is moving on. And what a performance in and out of the cage for Gegard. Let us talk to Mr. Mousasi right now on the phone. Gegard, how are you? I'm good, Ariel. How are you? Oh, it is great to catch up with you, my friend. Uh, congratulations thank on you. the win. Uh, you're back home, yeah, right? Thank you. Yeah, I'm in Holland now. You know, when we talked before the fight, uh, we talked about it being seven years in the making. When you always dreamed of fighting Vitor Belfort when it was kind of dangled in front of you, was that how you envisioned the fight against him playing out? Yeah, I, I think so, because I trained with him before. Uh, back then, I felt... Uh, yeah, training stays in training, but you know, I knew his style is perfect for me, and you know, maybe it's not at his best now, but uh, he's still he's still a fighter that's good to have on your record as a win. Uh, considering who he is and his history, is it fair to say that's one of the biggest wins of your career? No, not at all. You know, I've, I've faced more dangerous opponents. I faced bigger opponents. I've I even competed in K1, so yeah, it's just name recognition and people, uh, you know, people stick to that. You know, uh, I thought maybe more dangerous fighters than him, but without the big name uh-huh. like he has, so you know, he's not the my biggest accomplishment. But he's a big name. That's a, he's a big star in UFC. Okay, so now that you've been in the cage with him. Um, and there's some rumors that he may retire. Who knows? Do you think that he should retire? Is he not, you know, at the level of the top middleweights in the UFC, in your opinion? Well, you know, I can make that decision for him. But, uh, you know, I don't know. He, he came short a couple of times, but he can always pick himself up. You know, that's his decision. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. No. Uh, I found it somewhat ironic that here you were in England getting cheered. The fans loved the fight. And not that long ago, 10 months ago, eight months ago, excuse me, you were in England fighting Talos Ladies and they were booing you and you were upset. Did you, did you find that that was kind of funny? Like, wow, you know, uh, eight months ago, not the same people. We're not in the same city, but same country. They're, they're giving you a hard time and now they're loving you. No, I don't think they were booing me that much as they were doing booing Talos latest because okay. at the end when they were booing, he was just holding on, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was just fine going to the decision and be over with it, you know. Right. But, uh, you know, you, uh, Talos latest is difficult to finish. He's never been knocked out, I believe. And so he's, he's the guy, maybe in a five round, I would have stopped him. But, you know, well, that's the way I had to fight him. With uh, with Tito Belfort, different, different fighter, different style so I had to fight different you know sometimes I'm aggressive sometimes I'm just uh, m- more uh, cautious 
you know, every different opponent, different uh, style of fighting. I can adjust to anybody, you know. I feel I'm, uh, I'm very well-rounded, so I can yeah. adapt to any style. Um, and, and it was a very newsworthy event. A lot of things happened. But I kind of feel like, once again, before and after, Gegard Musasi sort of steals the show. Like, your, your, your interview skills, your mic skills, you're just so compelling now <laughs> on the mic. And, and let's be real, it wasn't always this way. Like, in the past, you kind of just kind of stayed away from the media. You didn't give us much. But now, it's like we're eating everything that you're saying with, with a big spoon. And it's just like we can't get enough of it. <laughs> Where is this coming from? I know I've kind of asked you this question again, but did you have an epiphany at some point? Like, look, I need to bring my personality out. I need to talk more. I need to just say what's on my mind and, and look at the results. Did you ever tell yourself that? No, I'm just being honest. You know, people ask me questions. They ask me if I can beat Michael Bisting. Of course I can beat Michael Bisting. You know, uh, I, I used to say, yes, Michael Bisting is great. Uh, uh, I would love to fight him. He's a great fighter, blah, blah, blah. All that respectful shit don't work, you know? <laughs> it, it, Michael Bisting is a good fighter, but besides, he's a, also a good trash talker, and that's he's probably making double what I'm making, you know? Mm. Even more probably, now he's champion. So just, not because he's a better fighter than me, I believe I'm the better fighter than him. And I think my record, everything has proven that. But, you know, he has also good at trash talking, he's good, English is his first language, so he talks, and that brings him up, you know, and he's from UK, you know, you know, UFC needs someone from UK back then. It's always important for them for that market. You know, you need luck. You need, you have to be coming out of the right country. You have to be a good fighter, but you know, you, you know, talking helps, you know. Did you have a breaking point where you said enough is enough? These people doing the rankings, the media, these fighters, no one's giving well, me any respect. Was there a point where you were like, okay, I've had enough? Yeah, of course, you know, uh, they put me, I wasn't even in top 10 on Sherdog. Yeah. They just recently, a couple of weeks before my friend had put me on number 10. You know, I don't know. And then I was at number nine in UFC. I said I'm number five. And I beat Fido Belfort. Now they put me at number five, you know. I don't know. <laughs> All you have to do is talk about it and it happens. I sometimes have to tell people uh, how things work, you know. I don't know. They're reporters or they don't know anything about fighting probably. Yeah. So, so this is the new approach. Just tell them what you want, and now it will happen for you, right? Yeah. You know, I'm looking for a fight with Anderson. Oh. That's not going to happen. But I, but I've heard. You know, he's filming some movie or, but uh, you know, I got two fights on my contract. You know, it's not. You know, it's easy to say I fight the number one or two guy, and they give me title shot. I don't think they're going to give me title shot. So I prefer to fight somebody. Very soon, very soon, and then I fight the number guys one to four, and then then it's then they, then you know I'm in a good position. They cannot deny me, you know. So I'm 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 being smart on who I'm fighting. Yeah, it's not that uh, I cannot beat any of these guys. I think Chris Weidman and Luke Rockhold are perfect for me. You know, Yul uh, Romero is the worst matchup for me as style wise, but those guys are perfect for me. You know, I can fight any any of those guys. So. You know, what can I say? But it's just about being smart, uh, knowing where my position is, and go from there. Um, when you brought up the idea of fighting Anderson Silva, was the UFC receptive to it? No, I don't think so. You know, Anderson Silva not going to fight me. He's not going to risk it because, let's say, um, I don't have that big of a name, you know. Uh, so he's not going to risk that. 
And uh, yeah, but I, I don't I know don't if that's think... true, Gegard, because you have a bigger name now than Chris Weidman did when he was champion and fought him. So why are you putting out this negativity? We have to believe it, believe it, achieve well, it. You know, you know, uh, it's being about real. making money. I think sure. uh, for Anderson, uh, um, I don't know if he's gonna sell a lot of pay per view fighting me or fighting GSP. You know, mm. it's, and uh, he's forty one. He doesn't need to prove himself. He's just looking for the special fights. Right. It's not like he want to be a contender and go for the title again. So he's in a different position, you know. Uh, even uh, Fito Belfort, he took that fight because he was in that position to take the fight. Because before he was going for the title, he didn't want to have to do anything with me. He said uh, Musafi has to earn his way to fight me. But after two losses, you know, the other guys were all booked. He fought already then. So I, the, he didn't have a choice. He asked me. That he asked UFC to fight me. It wasn't like I just asked and they gave it to me. Yeah. No, he asked for me, and that's why they give him the fight. Otherwise, they still would give me some uh, Mickey Mouse fight, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like that. I like that uh, that term, yeah. Mickey Mouse fight. You say that you want to come back relatively soon. Does that mean in 2016, like you'd like to fight before the year is over? Yeah, December. December, they give me a fight. I fight. And then I have one fight, and then yeah. then then I have to take a big fight. But uh, you know, if they come with a big fight uh, and they say, but otherwise they're gonna keep me for a long time till some of those guys fight, and then they give me a fight. But then they're gonna put me on the sideline for a long time. I don't want that. Um, when you say then you have one more fight, does that mean that you're going to look to fight out your contract and test free agency to see what's out there for you? Is that what you want to do? Mm, no, no, no. I, my goal is just to go for the title. But, uh, you know, um, let's say I don't get the title shot. I want to finish with a win, you know. You have to go uh, strong in the negotiation table. Uh. You know what I mean? If I'm, a I'm a, if I'm a contender and I go to the negotiation table, then, of course, they're going to get the prize up, you know. So it's just being smart. And, uh, you know, my time will come. I don't feel like they can beat me. So, but just timing, you know. I have to be patient. These two fights, finish it with wins. And then I'm a contender, and then I'm going to go for the title, and then they have to pay me. But but what if they say, okay, we're going to give you a big fight, but you we want you to sign like a new six-fight deal or something like that before your contract is up. Will you do that? Well, or? if they pay me, enough, I, yeah. I have no problem. My goal is to win the belt. Okay. Sooner or later, you know, I'm 31. You, you look at these uh, guys that are fighting. They're all 38. Yeah. Uh, they're all 40. I am the future, at least. Even if I'm not a champion, I'm, I'm a future... I'm going to be in the top five always, you know, I'm going to be in the top 10 always. So they're going to need me anyway. You know, uh, who's, who's new, new guy. Mm, uh, the uh, What is this Australian guy? The, Robert Whitaker. Yeah. Robert Whitaker. He's the only guy <laughs> that's young, but you know, I don't see him being as the new Anderson Silva or something like that, you know? Sure. So they're going to need me. I, I can live fight for another six, 10 years. Wow. So if I want, I'm not saying I'm going to, but, so, you know, I feel I'm, I have a strong point. And, you know, I've been always in a co-main event, main event. So it's not like I'm, a, I'm an average fighter. Um, considering how you feel about yourself, the role that you're on, um, Michael Bisping wins the fight, you know, in the main event. He mentions Weidman, Romero, Jacare Rocco, does not mention you. What was your reaction to that? Well, you know, those guys are ahead of me probably. You know, I can't, I can't say anything, but, you know... He, I fought Dan Henderson. You you saw how I beat him. And mm -hmm. then even at this age, Michael Bisping went five rounds with him. 
you know, if you, <laughs> I, if I would fight Michael Bisping, I would be the favorite. Everybody knows that. And um, but he's gonna look for the fight that, yeah. I don't think they're gonna give him. Uh, uh, he, he has to fight one of those guys. So it, it makes sense that he didn't mention me. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, my feelings are not hurt. But uh, <laughs> who gives a fuck? I need one more win, and then. You know, I'm a contender also. Do you think back a lot to December? You were supposed to fight Bisping. You get the call in December that he's now fighting Anderson in February. Do you think that a lot would be different now had that fight remained and Anderson didn't come in and, and, and get that fight over you? Well, I had that fight. I, yeah. I was supposed to fight him in the UK. And then, I don't know, probably Anderson called and he said, I want to fight Michael Bisping. And they gave it to him, you know. Um, but you had a signed contract, I, I, I right? Also, you had already signed for it, right? Yeah, yeah, I already had signed the contract. They pulled me out of the card. And then I had to fight DC. I was in shape. I told this many times. I was in shape. It was me or Anderson. Anderson had the operation. He was on his couch. They woke him up and gave him the fight, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, sometimes, uh, but, you know, my time is going to come, you know? I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't know. We'll see, we'll see. I got to ask you, uh, what, what happened with you and Conor McGregor? Is this for real? Did he write to you something? What is this all over the news? Well, that ginger-headed fuck is retarded. Uh, I think, you know, I said he's not a... Uh, I, you know, in the interview, I said, I mentioned... Uh, they, they were talking about respect or whatever. And then um, he texted me on... Uh, what's it called? Uh, direct, direct message. And, uh, yeah, yeah, he was messaging. And I said, uh, what you going to do with your 50 kilos? You know? And then he was, I don't know, he's being philosophical or whatever the fuck he was writing. He was like, knife is lighter than a pound. It can cut to ear to ear. Whatever the fuck he was writing. <laughs> now that guy is a bum. He's a 60 kilo guy. What the fuck he's going to do? Wait a second. Was it really him? I, I if he's face to face, he's not going to say that. But, you know, Twitter gives some people courage. I don't know. Was it really him or was it someone pretending to be him? No, it was him. It was his... Uh, it was his uh, account. So after you talked about him, he then wrote you, or did you write to him first? No, I didn't write him uh, well, because I said some comments about him, and so he wrote me. Wow. I and don't know what he was mentioning with the knife. He was saying uh, he's being philosophical. What's it called? Uh, you want to read it to us, just so we, we have it? I don't have it with me now, oh, okay. but he uh, was like... Uh, I don't know. He put a lot of thoughts in his message. The guy has a lot of time. I don't know. And and how did you end it up? Well, I said, say it to my face, but uh, I, I bet he's not going to do that. Were you shocked when you got this message? <laughs> well, you know, I don't do my Twitter, so my manager told me. <laughs> I don't care. You know, the guy can come and say it to my face. Wow. But, uh, Twitter, you know. Social media, you know, everyone on social media can be a, um, can be a, how you say, his courage go up, you know? Sure. What a revelation this is. So you're not a big Twitter guy. You're not a big social media guy. No, I'm not really. I'm not so much in social media. I post sometimes and I have fights. My manager does that a lot, you know, the pictures and stuff like that. But I have better things to do than social media. (laughs) I like, by the way, when you gave uh, the media the the double birds when you weighed in. You know, I was I was pissed off, and they say come back, uh, do some pose. 
I said, I said, yeah, good enough, and uh, that was it. Did you just wake up? And you know, weight cutting, you know, yeah, you're yeah. irritated anyway. No one, uh, no one is happy. Sure. Did you just wake up when you did that? No, no, no. Yeah, no, yeah actually, I, because uh, I woke up, I went to the sauna, I made the weight, and then uh, uh, I went on the scale. I, I love how it always looks like, like, did your parents ever tell you that your posture isn't great? Like, you're always kind of looking like, eh, I don't really want to be here, I just woke up. I love that. Well, I don't have a good posture because my back is uh, a little bit, how do you say, crook. Oh, okay. Uh, well, now I feel... So it's, not, <laughs> it's not the right um, way to... Uh, posture, let's say, but uh, you know, it is what it is. It, it's, it's. I'm a, not a model. I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm we'll give the fuck. No. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I like it because it makes the opponent feel like I don't really care about you. I'm going to go out of bed. I'm going to beat you up, and then I'm going to go back to bed. That's the kind of, you know, the impression that you give off, and I, I like think, that. I think, I think I'm a different fighter now than uh, two, three years ago. Yeah, and uh, you know, since you saw the game, no one has ever done anything to me. You know, right. come on, let's test anybody. No problem for So looking at the rankings now, Rockhold, Weidman, Jacare, Romero, they're all booked. Anderson, you said, is doing a movie. Then we got uh, Whitaker Brunson, they're booked. You just beat Belfort. And then the next guy is Uriah Hall. Is that a big enough fight for you now to get that one back? Uriah Hall is always a good fight for me. Yeah. Because uh, people that think uh, he's going to beat me again, we should put their money on him if I fight him again. If they're so much confident that it wasn't uh, luck, they should put their money on it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I will bet money on him if he wants. But uh, that's how I'm sure I'm going to win, you know. I, you know, with him, I was too too aggressive. Right. I wanted to finish him, make a statement. Where Joe Silva said, well, you should have, your know, last performance, you got a decision. You have to put some people away, you know. You know. Whatever, but I'm not. Gonna, I'm not listening to those guys anymore. I'm just gonna fight the way I want to fight. Is that the the worst moment of your career? That loss because you feel like you you were a better you know, fighter. That, that's a loss that sticks out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because um, you had a couple more, but that one, uh, you know, I was in very good shape. I was in a top shape, and then coming at very bad moment because uh, I was I was wanted to have a couple wins, and then. No, it set me back a lot, so it was difficult. Hmm. Well, what a story this has become. Uh, Gegar Musasi, the reinvention, if you will, of your personality has just been, to me, one of the funnest stories of, uh, of 2016. What a joy it has become to see you sort of come out of your shell and, and, and do these interviews like this. It's, it's really great, and, and I give you a lot of credit, Gegard, for saying what's on your mind, not sugarcoating it. And just putting it out there because clearly it's working. You moved up four spots in the rankings. You're getting these these big name fights. Good for you, my man. So continued success. Thank you, my friend. Congratulations, and I hope you get that big fight next. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Ariel. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. There he is, Gegar Musasi. Always a pleasure to talk to the Dreamcatcher on this show. A quick update for you: We were talking to Mike Perry. Uh, contrary to reports, he is not fighting Matt Brown. He is fighting Alan Joban. In Sacramento, that Fox card. So Alan Joban versus Mike Perry, first reported by the LA Daily News. The great reporter over there, Brian Martin, confirmed by this very show, uh, Joban versus Mike Perry. So the reports earlier that I referenced were wrong. It's uh, not Matt Brown versus Mike Perry. Okay, uh, let us move along now and welcome in our next guest. Very excited to talk to her. It has been a while. There's a lot to discuss with Holly Holm. She is kind enough to join us on the phone right now. Holly, how are you? 
I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's good to catch up. I appreciate you coming on the show as always. So uh, you, you've kind of laid low since July. Was that part of your plan? Did you just want to take a break from everything as far as media and stuff is concerned? You know, I've been super busy doing all the other things outside of actually training and, and fighting. Um, I just, uh, I mean, I've been to New York, Canada, L.A., Las Vegas, and Florida all within the last, like, four and a half weeks, and it's all been for, you know, work or, or things that I had prior obligations that we decided to go ahead and just hammer away while I didn't have, like, a fight in front of me so that when I do have a fight, I can focus. So that's kind of where I've been. I've actually been working, but just not my favorite kind of work. <laughs> my, my kind of work, I want to be training. But, um, you know, we've just been kind of taking care of some other business outside of that. And, you know, I'm hoping to be able to fight soon. And, you know, I had my break in my thumb in my last fight, and it hasn't been 100%, but it's almost there. I have been training um, just needs a little more time and I'll be ready to rock and roll. So, um, just kind of, uh, I'm training. I'm back at the grind. I'm back home right now. I just got home last night and, uh, just, that's where I'm at. That's what I've been doing. Okay. So there's a lot there. Um, uh, starting with your, your initial response, what kind of stuff are you doing? If you don't mind me asking, like you're traveling all over. Are we, are we talking about like, uh, promotional stuff, uh, marketing stuff? Like, what are you doing? Uh, like, more like sponsorships. Stuff. Um, New York was a thing for Vera Bradley. Um, Canada was a thing for a new sportsplex that they're putting together, and they had uh, guests there. Um, Florida was for a sponsor. Um, Las Vegas was for a sponsor for the Mr. Olympia show, and wow. um, Los Angeles was for some meetings with stuff. So it's kind of been a lot of random stuff. Uh, do you still have the cast on your thumb? No, I'm pretty good to go. Um, I've been able to do, you know, I've been sparring actually, but I just spar with my left hand. You know, I've been trying to get a little more, um, kind of throw together some combinations, making work on a lot of other things, using my jab more and just working on, on combos still. And um can't punch 100% with my thumb yet, but about, 80% and I can do pull-ups and things now, which is great. So there's still certain motions I can't do. Um, but in a very short amount of time, I'm going to be able to go 100% before we know it. So, um, I don't want to start from square one. That's why I've been training right now, just to kind of keep it moving, keep flowing. I don't want to, you know, feel too out of shape when right. I'm back to hundred percent. Um, and, and did you break the thumb in the Valentina Shevchenko fight? Yes. Do you recall what point uh, you did? I remember the exact punch, and I haven't watched the fight yet, but if I was to put a guess on it, I would say the fourth round. So, And it has nothing to do with why I lost the fight. That, that's for sure. I, I didn't perform well. I had you know, almost like a mental block in there, like telling myself to go, and I wasn't going. And, and we had the right game plan. I just didn't perform it. Um, you know, a lot of what she was throwing with her counter hooks and things like that, we knew that was going to be there. There was nothing that should have, you know, shocked me or anything. She's very tough. I take nothing away from her, but, um, you know, breaking my thumb was not why I lost the fight. But yeah, I, I was throwing, I threw an overhand. I, I'm, I know what punch it is if I watched it, wow. but I'm pretty sure it was in the fourth round. And 
through an overhand and I caught nothing but thumb and I just thought I jammed it. I thought, ooh, that's going to hurt later. And I threw another one and I thought, oh, no, yeah, that one's real bad. And so I kind of gave it a couple days and I didn't have a lot of full motion in it. And, it, of course, it blew up like, it was, blew up like, you know, you blow up like a medical glove and the hand part gets like really swollen and the fingers are small. It's like what my hand looked like. And I finally went in for x-rays. I just told the orthopedic surgeons, I thought, I said, you know, my hand, I, I feel like it's just dislocated. Like, been able to do stuff with it, but I just want to, I don't know if it needs to be reset or what. So they did x-rays and they're like, well, the reason why it feels dislocated is because it is, but it's <sighs> broken and dislocated and it was shattered. Like, wow. the base of it broke off and split apart and one part of the thumb was like sticking in, in between where the thumb had, the rest of the thumb had broken off and my index finger and it was just kind of, um, I don't know, it was kind of a mess, mangled mess in there. And so they had to pin it and reset it. But, um, I'm feeling great. Like I've been able to do a lot on it already. So, um, I can't complain, you know, in hindsight, do you think that you took that fight too quickly after the 196 Misha Tate fight? No, I never put any excuse on anything. Um, I just didn't perform well, and that's all there is to it. And, you know, I, I, I felt great. I felt physically fine. I had a great training. I, everything in our game plan was good. So there's no excuse. And I'm not going to say I took anything too soon or any reason why. I just didn't perform well. Is there a particular reason why you have not watched it yet around three months later? <laughs> I'm really bad about watching film to begin with. Oh, okay. I know that it's definitely, I mean, this is definitely... I'm going to probably take a real, it's going to be a real big ego check when I do. And so I think I'm just waiting till I can at least go a hundred percent so I can dive in, just watch it and, and, you know, roll from there. I don't know. Um, um, usually it takes my coaches saying, all right, let's sit down and watch this. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, you've had a long and storied career. And by the way, congratulations on the uh, Guinness book of world records on our first. Oh, thank you first person to have a, um, a title in boxing, a major title in boxing and mixed martial arts. I think that came out last week. So what an honor that is. Another one to add to your you. your mantle. But um, you've been around for a long time. Was that one of the more frustrating nights of your athletic career because it just felt like you couldn't really get going against her? Absolutely. And and yes, because she's a good counterpuncher. She's very fast and she's very slick with things. Um, but like I said, I know that there's, you know, the game plan that we had was definitely a game plan that would work, and I just I really didn't capitalize on that time. And I always say that I, when I get in there, I want to make sure and make the most of it at that time and not wait till the fight's over and say, I wish I could have, should have, would have. Well, that's exactly what happened this time. And so it is very frustrating for me. Um, but a learning experience at that and. Um, I choose to always want to learn from my experiences. I don't want to sit back and sulk um, or make excuses. That's just not not me or how I am. So, yeah, it was a frustrating night for me. But um, 
I'm going to push to just do better. Uh, I, I went on a bit of a rant afterwards because I, I sort of reached my breaking point of this narrative that was being put out that you made this massive blunder by coming back to fight at 196, that you came back to fight in July, that you didn't wait for Ronda. And it, it was annoying to me that you were being asked about it leading up to the fight, that it was the first question asked to you after the fight. Did you reach a breaking point as well? I just felt like it was so disrespectful. Meanwhile, 196 was a huge success uh that 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 card in july was seen by like four and a half million or so people on fox i mean it doesn't seem like there was a bad business move done there you win you lose in this sport that's going to happen but yet you continued to be sort of berated for making these business decisions did that get Um, annoying at some point it is annoying because a lot of people that do that i think you know they're not i don't think they ever listen to all of these other you know kind of interviews or articles or anything that come out for me, it's, um, I like to fight. I don't know why people think that I am taking fights for money. It drives me crazy. Like I wanted to fight because I wanted to get in there. fight. I had nothing to do with, I should have waited for this money fight or that money fight. That is not why I fight. And so whatever people say, I guess is their own opinion. That has nothing to do with what I shoot for, what my goals are, and it doesn't, you know, I, I, I always tell myself I'm never going to fight for money, only for passion, and I want to stay true to that. Are you disappointed? That's what I was doing, just fighting because I wanted to fight. That's it. Yeah, and, and is, I mean, that's what this whole thing is about. You have to want to do it, especially doing something like walking into the cage, I think. Um, yeah. Are, are you disappointed that you didn't get the Ronda fight upon her return? Did you want that fight next? You know, honest, I, um, I don't feel like I'm in a spot to really say what I want. I didn't have good performances in my last two fights, so why should I sit here and walk around and say what I deserve? Uh-huh. I've never done that in my career anyway, and, you know, I'm curious to watch the fight and see how it turns out, but I'm not, um, I'm not in any means, you know, pissed off about it or anything. Um, I'll just have to, I just want to keep training and win whatever fight might come my way. And that's really, that's it. How do you feel about her getting a title shot upon returning? You know, I think it, it, it is, you know, you're off for a year and you come back for the title shot. A lot of people would say, but then again, she was the most dominant champion. So I don't feel like it's necessarily you know, out of the question to do something like that either. So, um, I, I just try to stick my, my mind into training and and do what I can for me. And I try not to get too involved with what I think should be going on promotion wise. I'm not a promoter. I'm a fighter. And the day that I feel like I have the best answers for that, maybe I should jump promoting, you know, Uh I don't, I know a lot of fighters sometimes have their opinions about it, but, um, I've just been consumed with my own team and my own thoughts and things I want to work on and learn. And, um, I've never been here before. I have two losses in a row and that's never happened in my career in my life. Uh, so I'm definitely experiencing something new right now, but I want to rise above from here. Have you been offered your next fight yet? Um, I'm sure we'll schedule something in the next few weeks. Okay. Uh, I know that they probably don't, really want to set something 100% until I'm 100% released uh, to train. So I think we're getting close to figuring that out. 
but there's definitely no specific answer right now. I respect the fact that you don't want to ask for something next, but if you had your druthers, would you like to be on that same card as Ronda only because the title is being defended? It's good to line up with the title fights. Is that something that you're, you're seeking? Uh, no, I just want to fight and I want to win. That's, that's my goal. I, that's really as simple as I want to think right now. Um, what fight it is, it doesn't matter to me. I want to win just as badly, whether it's on a big card or not. Uh, I, I want to win if it's not even on TV. Hmm. You know, even in practice, I still want to punch my teammates more than they hit me. <laughs> I mean, it's the name of the game. So all I'm really focused on is a victory, and that's it. Uh, what do you think the chances are that we see you before the year is up, given the hand and the recovery and all that? Is that is that likely? It's likely. Okay. Definitely likely. I don't know. You know, I think... When I have my next doctor's appointment, I'm sure that's going to be all right. You're 100% a go. But even still, I'm able to train right now. So I want to make sure that I'm not starting from square one. So that's why I'm training right now. Um, like I said, I'm still um, I'm still sparring, and I just tell the guys do whatever you know, do whatever you want to do. I don't want to stop you from training. Just Really, at the time being, um, I was just, which actually this week it will probably be okay, but I was just at first telling them, just don't take me down because it didn't, it wasn't good for me to take, like, break the fall necessarily. And that's really as far as um, I had gone with that. Other than that, I just, I've been training. I just spar with one hand, not two. And it's been working out. So I'll just keep with it. What was your reaction when you saw Misha lose the belt? to Amanda Nunez after all that. Was that weird for you to see your title kind of move around like that? Um, you know, I'm, I'm one of those that if I lose to someone, I want them to beat everybody else because <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to lose to someone who loses to someone else, you know? And I don't know, I guess I just... Um, I didn't really, whoever won just made the best fighter win. I guess I really didn't care too, too much. But I do always want the person that beat me to win. Um, I know that she had said a lot of stuff, you know, probably not even a true champion. She hasn't even defended her about one time. So sometimes stuff like that, it's kind of like when people eat their own words. Sometimes I don't mind seeing that either. But when it really comes down to it, you know, made the best fighter win and I want everybody to I fight that I fight go beat everybody else. Um that means I'm best, you know, I'm I'm up against the best, I guess. Your story has been told uh many times and I'm wondering at this point, after the year that you've had, after the, the craziness of the end of last year in Melbourne and all this stuff, do you still enjoy fighting as much? Forget about the politics and, and the annoyances and the money and all that stuff. Is it still as much fun as it was when you were climbing that ladder? You know, that's kind of a, there's been things that I haven't enjoyed with it, but I still enjoy fighting, yes. And um, I think that's all, I think one thing I want to do is just do, I mean, I like the traveling and meeting new people, but it's not necessarily like, you know, I like to be at home with my team training and at the grind. That's what I enjoy. So, yes, I still enjoy fighting. Um 
So I've just been kind of wanting to, you know, I think that's why I've been so busy lately doing the other stuff that's been involved with, you know, my quote-unquote work. However, when I'm training again, um, I can kind of just train and focus on that because that's what I really want to do. Um, I love to fight and I, I love to train and I don't know if I'll ever be satisfied, you know, doing anything else. So huh. that's all I really want is the passion of fighting and, um, you know, we'll see what happens So, as, as the opportunities come. Do you think that you'll be someone who fights into their late 40s because you love it so much? You know, I don't know. Um, I think if I felt like I knew the day I'd be done, that means that I would already feel ready to be done right now. And I'm not. Um, I've actually had a couple conversations lately. People are like, what do you want? I'm like, to win. (laughs) Yeah, so if you get back in there and win, then what do you want after that? I said, to win again. They're like, are you ever going to be satisfied? I said, probably not. I don't know. Um, That is all I want. Um, yeah, the grind is hard. It's not like training is always fun and, and great. Like like any job, obviously you get paid to be there for a reason. Um, but I do have the coolest job and the funnest job. That doesn't mean that I don't have days that I do kind of feel like just, you know, getting up. We kind of joke with the girls in the gym. It's like sometimes when you're just at the grind and you're going to the gym every day, it's like every now and then I do just feel like getting up showering and putting makeup on and being clean for the day (laughs) instead of going to the gym. Like, yeah, there's days like that. I would like to just go grab a coffee in regular clothes and not have to bring a bag of four different changes of clothes for every workout I'm going to go through. But those days are fewer than the days that I'm pumped to be at the gym too. So, um, and, and regardless of how I feel in the morning, um, it doesn't matter. By the time I get going and training, I I love to be there, even if it's the day that, like I said, it's very few days I wake up and don't feel like going to the gym. But as soon as I start, you know, practice, I'm already excited to be there. Um, I do love my job, that's for sure. Well, that is good to hear. I don't think we're ready to say goodbye to you just yet. So happy to I'm hear. I'm not ready either. So <laughs> good. You're ready for me to stick around for a while. Good. That is fantastic. Um, I'm happy to hear that the thumb is getting better. Hopefully, we'll see you sooner rather than later. And and hopefully, I mean, I, I honestly, I think you are owed an apology from some people by you know the way you were treated this past year. But I, I'm happy to hear that you're like a duck. You're you're letting that water just roll off your back. Good for you, uh, class as always. So thank you very much to you, Holly. Looking forward to your thank return. You. Thank you for everything, always. Yes, and uh, we look forward to your return. All the best to you as far as health and and training is concerned, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for doing this as well. Thank you. I appreciate it. Have a good day. Same to you. There she is, Holly Holm, on the comeback trail. Uh, Hopefully, maybe, we'll see her back this year. I think it would make a lot of sense to see her fight on that card on December 30th, but uh, you got to give her a lot of props. She said uh, she'd fight on televised card. How about that? Someone who just wants to fight and win. Major props to her. Okay. Uh, A lot of people were asking me last week because they said, hey, before UFC 204, didn't Michael Bisping crash his coach's interview and say that if he wins, he's going to show up on your show the Monday after and do the celebratory interview? A lot of people said, where is Michael Bisping? Well, he needed some space. We gave him space. Always more than gracious with his time. But we had to get him on to talk about what the heck happened in Manchester. So here he is. The reigning and now defending UFC middleweight champion, Michael Bisping, joining us on the phone. Always a man of his word. Michael, how are you? 
Very, very well, sir. Always a pleasure to talk to you. What the hell happened at 204? I defended my belt. I was true to my word. I won that fight, plain and simple. All you haters can shut up. You don't know how to score a fight because that was a clear victory for Michael the Count Bissy. Yes. Now, have you watched the fight since, Michael? Yes, I have. How do you score it now that you've watched it on television? Well, the first round, I was in control. And then, of course, he landed that good shot and uh, got some good, great ground and pound. So that round was a 10-9 for Hendo. Anyone that says a 10-8 are absolutely ridiculous because for a 10-8, you've got to beat the guy from pillar to post for the entire five minutes. And, uh, you know, he, he had a good 45 seconds in that round. Um, round two, I dominated, uh, picked him apart. He dropped me with the right hand, but then that was it. I wasn't hurt, and then he didn't get any ground a pound off. So I'd say I still won that round. It was a 10-9. Three, four, and five, they rolled 10-9s to me as well. So really, there is no controversy. One judge scored it 49-46. I believe that judge was an American as well. So for anybody talking about hometown bias, <laughs> um, you know, they are ridiculous. fact of the matter is, Hendo is a tough son of a bitch. Tough as old boots. Um... You know, but I won that fight. You know, very simple. Before they announced the judges' scorecards, did you truly believe, okay, this is in the bag, I don't have to worry, or were you nervous at all? There's always a little intrepidation, you know, because you never know until they say. Um, because, you know, listen, he had a couple of big moments, and, of course, my face told a tale. Um, but like my boxing coach said, like Perillo said, you don't win a 25-minute fight by winning two minutes of the fight. And that's essentially all he did. For the rest of the time, he was backing up. He was cowering almost. He almost turned his back on a couple of occasions when I had him hurt. So, um, you know, just to reiterate that, you don't win a 25-minute fight by winning two minutes of the action. Um, So, yes, I I, I was uh, confident. But until uh, Buffer actually says, and still, you you know, you you never know. You never know. Um, did he feel like the same fighter in there than the one that you fought seven years ago? Or did, did he feel there? Like, was it the same? I mean, obviously, the, you felt the right hand and you were able to weather that storm amazingly. I mean, what heart, once again, that you show, especially this year. But overall, did it feel like you were fighting the same guy? Or could you tell that he had slowed down a little bit, that his skills had changed? Yes, that's a good question to ask. And I'm not sure how to honestly answer that. Uh, the skills that I thought I had, the advantages that I thought I had in the second fight. I felt that I had those in the first fight, uh, but I just, you know, I was much calmer this time. I was planting my feet. I wasn't backing up. I wasn't bouncing all over the place. So the first fight, mentally, I, I, I didn't approach it correctly. The second fight, I did, obviously. Uh, you know, he's still a dangerous guy, and he still proved that it has what it takes to go five rounds. Of course, he fought... Uh, with a reserved gas tank, you know, he kind of just waited back for his big moments. But, um, you know, he, 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 he still got it, man. He, he's still a <laughs> tough guy to beat. Of course, that was a big opportunity for him. So uh, I'm assuming he applied himself massively in the gym. He wanted to go out with that belt. Uh, but, yeah, listen, I'm, I'm happy with the victory. It would have been nice to stop him. Of course, that's what I was looking for. Uh, but, uh, you know, it wasn't to be. But a victory is a victory, and I'm happy with it. Obviously, you're in the heat of the moment, but was there ever a point after he landed, you know, the right hand in the first or second where you're like, not again, like, I, I can't let this happen again? Are you ever having that inner monologue? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Sometimes because uh, you know, even though the, the right hand was, you know, it, it was a big shot and it put me down as we all saw. And he did a great job in following up that shot and uh, you know, trying to finish the fight. And God bless him. I, I knew where I was at all times. At all times, I had my faculties about me. But I was fully compressed, mentis, um, and and I knew what was going on. That's why at the end of the first round, I went back and I kind of smiled to everyone and to my coaches. Like, listen, it's okay. I know he got me. And it doesn't look good. I've got a huge gas on my cheek from my elbow. But, uh, you know, I, I fully knew where I was. As I said, I had all my faculties in. I knew where I was going into each and every round. But, yeah, listen, I mean, that right hand, that's, he's built a career on that. You know, certainly the latter part of his career has been built on that right hand. And he, I always said he has good timing with it. And he did. He timed it perfectly on a couple of occasions. Uh, fortunately, it was only two shots, really, that he... You know, it was only two shots that he really connected with the entire fight, you know. So, uh, yeah, all credit to him. You know, the, the H-bomb uh, is a good shot, but I took it on the chin. I weathered the storm, and I won the fight, like I said. By the end of the fight, how difficult was it for you to see out of your left eye, given the mouse that was developing there? Yeah, no, it was pretty extreme, to be honest. All I could see out of the left eye was a tiny, tiny slit of vision. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it was certainly, certainly very restricted. I had to, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, was, uh, it was swollen nearly shut. You were very calm, cool, and collected. You were very confident going into this fight. And I recall thinking, I think after the weigh-ins, is it possible that, you know, given where you are in Manchester, how much this means to you, your first title defense, given how old he is, that he said this is his retirement fight, is it possible that Michael Bisping is maybe taking Dan Henderson a little lightly? Is he looking past him? Did that ever happen? Do you think in hindsight that you did that a little bit? No, never, never. I never underestimated opponents, you know, and uh, I said it in the office on that night. I certainly wasn't uh, underestimating this guy, you know. I mean, this is a person that knocked me out cold in the past. And, uh, you know, that, that is a very, very real thing. It's a very uh, real psychological, um, what's the best word to word this? It's a very psychological uh, trauma to get through. You yeah. know, I mean, you, you relive that. And, you know, the day of the fight, I'm in my room, I'm taking a nap, you know, and all these negative thoughts, these inner demons that all fighters have, you know, were running through my mind. Wow. And, and, and I had them throughout the entire training camp. So, no, never for one minute did I underestimate this guy. I mean, as I said, this is a person that's truly capable of ending a fight with one punch. A lot of people don't have that. And I knew he still had the timing and things like that. Yes, he slowed down a little bit, you know, for sure. You know, you can't deny that. Uh, but uh, the, the, that right hand is real. And going into that fight in my hometown, you want to be victorious. And I don't want to lose my belt on the first shot. Certainly against somebody that knocked me out before. So, no, no, I, I never underestimated an opponent. That's why I always train so hard. That's why I'm always in such good shape. Because you, the moment you underestimate, pardon me, underestimate an opponent, that's you know, that's the beginning of the end, and the racket is on the wall. Do you truly feel now as though those demons that were born at UFC 100 are they dead? Do they not consume your soul? This victory was it enough to completely erase that experience? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I know what you're getting. I really in a roundabout way because you know there's people out there saying. Uh, you know, Hendo was robbed and this and that, but Hendo was a lot of hardcore fans, you know, and hardcore fans don't watch the fight impartially, you know. The, the professional judges that are paid to judge fights, they, they scored it correctly. It wasn't a split decision. It was a unanimous on all fronts. Um, these people, you know, listen, Hendo's been around a long time. He's a, he's a national treasure, if you will. And he has a lot of fans. 
and they're looking at the fight uh, completely impartially. It's hard for them to be objective, um, you know, just like some other people in the, in the UFC, like Chris Weidman, you know, people like that. They don't look at it. Uh, from a fair perspective, they want me to lose and they want Hendo to win. So it's impossible for them to give a, uh, an honest, unbiased uh, opinion on the judging of the fight. So, yeah, uh, you know, I won the fight. I got my revenge. It would have been nice to finish him. But I took his best shots and I came walking right back. I, I didn't take a backward step in that fight. I stayed in his face. I pressured him. I punched him. I kicked him. I beat him to the punch every time. Two shots. Two shots is all he landed. He can say what he wants after that fight, saying, oh, you know, he was robbed and this and that. But, you know, the story of the fight is that he was backing up the whole time, getting picked apart, and he landed two good shots. And anyone, uh, it is impossible to deny with the statement that I just said. He backed up the whole time, I picked him apart, and he landed two good shots in the 25-minute fight. That is the story of the fight. That's exactly what happened. The only thing that he did better was that he dropped me. I didn't drop him, unfortunately. But I wanted to, but I didn't. But still, points tally up. Yep. Um, physically, nine days later, how are you feeling? Yeah, I feel good. I just came out of the gym, actually. Oh. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, I just got back in the country uh, Wednesday night. Uh, just, you know, caught up with the kids, hung out at home. And then this morning, start of a new week. So, time to get back to business. Just went in the gym there. Just had a light workout. Nothing crazy. Just get the body moving again. Uh Physically, yeah, I feel fine. I've had the stitches out. My face is almost back to being um, as ugly as it ever was. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you can still see a bit of a black eye, but a couple more days, that will be gone. Um, I've got an MRI on my knee. I'm limping a little bit on my left leg, but I always have trouble with my left knee. So, uh, But, yeah, a, a few more days. And I'll be, uh, I'll be back to full speed. Now that you've uh, achieved this goal of defending your title in Manchester, where do you rank this experience? It, was that the greatest night of your career? Is winning the belt a little higher? Where do you put it? Yeah, well, winning the belt was fantastic. It really was. But to do it in Manchester, winning the belt again, defending the belt, I, I think that was the, 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 that top seed. That was the highlight of my career. Prior to that, you know, probably beating Anderson in London. Wow. Now defending the belt in Manchester, that was probably, yeah, for sure, that was the highlight. I mean, it was amazing. The crowd were absolutely exceptional. The fight happened at 5.30 a.m. and the energy that everybody in attendance showed was just amazing. The crowd were absolutely deafening. At one point, you know, it was amazing. They were all chanting my name and this and that. And I felt like turning around to the guy guys, just shut up a second. I'm trying to focus here a little bit. I can't hear myself think, let alone fight. So uh, it was absolutely incredible. Thanks to everybody that showed so much energy. Thanks to Henderson. It was a great fight. Everybody enjoyed it and, uh, yeah, a legendary, a legendary night for me. It was very nice to see how heartfelt you were afterwards. Like you were sincerely thanking everyone for it. And it's not something that we often see that you could truly tell how much this meant to you. Um, I do believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, your family wasn't there, right? Your wife wasn't there. Your kids weren't there. Did you miss not having them there? Yeah, well, um, unfortunately, the children are in school, so uh, we, we, you know, they, they can miss school. Mike, come on, what are they? What's so important now in school? They got clowns well, you know attacking what? them. I want to hear a funny story. Ariel, yeah, I do. Callum, yeah, Callum was. Uh, uh, I kind of felt bad. He's my number one fan. Yeah, fifteen-year-old son, and and he, he cornered me for Tally's license, and I was let down. I didn't have a fourth corner man. I mean, I had, I had guys that could have done it, but you know, they're all there with wives. And, my brothers with people. And I thought, you know what? I thought, I'm going to fly Callum out here last wow. minute. I need to be in my corner. 
So I called my wife up and I said, hey, this was on Thursday. I said, let's fly Callum out. He can be in my corner. I said, he'll love it. He'll never forget it. And she said, yeah, it's his homecoming dad on, uh, on, on Saturday. And he's got a girl that he's been flirting with for a while. Oh. So he, he, uh, he blew me off. What? Son blew me off. Because he's a 15-year-old man full of testosterone, <laughs> and uh, the little guy rules the big guy. Um, uh, did you tell him afterwards? <laughs> I'm wondering if you told him your, your plan and what he would have chosen had he had... I did. I did. He... I spoke to him afterwards. Yeah. And, uh, he didn't deny. <laughs> what did he say now? I can't remember. <laughs> but yeah, listen, God bless him. He's 15 years old. This girl that he likes. He's been chasing her for a long, long time since we went to the homecoming dance. Wow. And, uh, yeah, that's it. My wife just walked up now. She's doing that, the, like, the, the, the sight signal across her neck going, shut up, shut up. <laughs> he's going to kill me when he hears this back later. But, uh, yeah, there you go. If you didn't want to be in my corner, I'll throw you under a bus. On the MMA hour. Well, listen, I, 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 I don't blame him. I'm sure she was a very good-looking and a very pleasant young lady. But here's the She's question. She's a sweet girl. She's a sweet girl. If, if it happened on Saturday, does that mean he actually missed your fight? He missed, no, yeah, that's right. He was out. He what? didn't even watch the fight. He watched you, it on tape. Can oh. you believe this? Okay, this is see. You know I love Callum, but to me, one of the great storylines of 2016 is the budding feud between you and Lucas. Him picking against I you. I, I thought it would have been interesting had you brought out Lucas to corner you. I know he can't fly alone, but that's the guy yeah. I want to see in the corner as well. <laughs> I know, I know the little, the little son of a gun. Um, he's quite the character. Of course, he knows what he's doing. He, he likes to uh, play it up. But I, I came back this time and I said. What did I say? Because obviously, you know, six years old, he doesn't know the ramifications of what he's saying. Sure. <laughs> and I said, so, Lucas, I said, I won. So you were wrong again. He said, it's okay, Daddy, because next time you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. All right, thanks for that. I really appreciate the comments. <laughs> It is amazing. Yeah, he's I love it. He's awesome. I kind of yeah, feel like great. you like hearing that he's picking against you because it's part of the routine now. It's almost good luck in a sense. Yeah, no, it really is. You know, I mean, listen, I get it. I know it's funny, and I know he's a little monkey. So uh, when we have the cameras here doing embedding and things like that, I know what he's going to say. So it's me that asks him. You know, people always comment and go, wow, it's crazy that he says that. How does that make you feel? He's like, I know he's going to say that. That's why I ask him, because it's funny, you know, and uh, he's got a great sense of humor. He's a, he's a little monkey, as I say. The apple does not fall far from the tree. Uh, so yeah, no, it's all fun and games. Family reality shows are kind of a thing of the past, but I got to say, you know, given what we see from Embedded, I feel like with your son, <laughs> adolescent, your 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 youngest son, you know, being the troublemaker that he is, your wife keeping it together, your daughter, adolescent, I feel yeah. like we've got a real story here. I feel like we've got a real show on our hands. Any talks of this in Hollywood? Well, my, the my wife's walked past taking a thumbs up. Yeah, yeah, at home with the Bispings. Yes. Coming your way pretty soon. I like it. I'm going to work no, on I'm that. Kidding. Fight I'm pass. Kidding. Fight you pass. Never know. All right. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I think people are sick of seeing me on the UFC, let alone watching me uh, <laughs> just scratch my balls on the couch at home. Um, in a perfect world, when do you want to return? Perfect world. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's going to be one of the big contenders next. We'll, we'll see how the, uh, the chips fall uh, regarding their fight. I think I'd like Weidman. To be yeah. honest, if Wyman can get past Rockhold, that'd be a fight that interests me. And, you know, it seems like me and uh, Wyman have this yes. rivalry now. Yes. I've got nothing against Wyman. He likes to talk shit on my career, and I'll do the same on his. But uh, I, I wish him all the best, you know. 
competition aside, he seems like a good guy and a good dude. So, but uh, we've been talking a lot, so I guess we've got to settle it in the octagon. So, if he gets past Joel um, Romero, which he's got his hands full there, but if he does, then yeah, I'll happily fight him next. I believe he's a good matchup for me. And uh, I don't know, late February, March, okay. something like that. Um, what, what's what's a bigger fight for you, Weidman one or Rockhold three? In your opinion, from a business perspective. Uh, well, business-wise, nobody really cares about Luke Rockhold. <laughs> Unfortunately, business-wise, nobody cares about Chris Weidman either. So I don't think either of them really make me that much money. Unfortunately, they're probably the best two guys in the division other than me. Uh, and nobody gives a shit about them. Nobody gives a damn. That's why Chris Weidman could have main event a pay-per-view. He was always the co-main event. Uh, but uh, I'll just take on the best challenges. I know, I know what people said about the Henderson fight. But the UFC came to me with the match, but I didn't ask for it. So I said, yeah, sure. Uh, and now, you know, I'm happy to take on whoever the true number one contender is. So we'll see who wins these fights and whoever it is. I'll happily fight. I've never ducked to fight in my life. I'm not trying to sit here sounding like a tough guy. We've all heard this a million times, so I won't go into it. But uh, whoever wins and is the, 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 the worthiest opponent, then we'll do it. Um, Gegar Mousasi is gaining some momentum. Uh, he didn't love, you know. He, didn't, he said he wasn't hurt that you know you didn't mention his name, but wants to be included in that discussion. Is he worthy of being included in that discussion or not yet? Well, here's the thing. I mean, Mousasi is an incredible fighter. He really is. I like the guy. Um, but you know, I just said that with the uh, Rockhold and Weidman is terrible business. Jesus Christ! I think it would be astronomically bad business at the moment with with Mousasi. Um, so. He just needs another win or two to really get people's attention. Unfortunately, it wasn't that long ago that that idiot Uriah Hall got a fluke knockout against him. So that kind of hurt his stock. And Musashi is he's incredible. He really is. He's one of the best uh, underrated fighters in the world. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's struggled to sell a pay-per-view. He's, he's, he's in the right direction. He, saw, he beat uh, Vitor easily and impressively. I think another big-name opponent or another one or two, and then certainly there'll be more of a household name. And, you know, I'll be happy to face him when the time comes. But I think right now he needs, he needs another tune-up fight. Okay. And what about Brock Lesnar? What is going on here? I see you talking about... What, what is happening here? <laughs> <laughs> Has he drawn your ire as well? No, he hasn't. Well, you know, I, I was doing a stupid podcast, and, uh, you know... You don't listen. I just get carried away. I'm bored out of my mind doing a million interviews. Yes, I was doing that interview in this in the middle of like fifty back to back interviews, and you just start losing your mind. So you got to start saying something interesting. And I was doing it was a, a podcast with Rick Flair, mm. and uh, you know, Brock Lesnar tested positive for steroids. It's as simple as that. I have a very strong opinion. So if you're gonna if you're gonna come over here and fight and take steroids, you're a pussy. Simple as that. You just, you know, you come in here and act tough, but you, then you got to take steroids. So which is it? Are you are you a tough guy or are you not a tough guy? And if you're taking steroids, then you're not a tough guy because you're mentally weak and you're a coward. So I just said words to those effects. But uh, I'm sure Brock Lesnar isn't giving a damn about me right now what he's saying. So, uh, oh, good, Ariel, but good job of trying to stir the pot. No, I was just trying to clear the air, to be honest. You know, you say yeah. stupid podcasts. I'm not sure to take that as an insult or not, but I know it's a little bit different when you come on the MMA Hour. You actually enjoy this no. interview. 100%, my friend. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is the creme de la creme. Yes. All right. Um, well, again, congratulations. 
What a win. What a performance. Uh, to me, Thank you. it has to be in the discussion for fight of the year, if you ask me. And if I'm being honest, I think Michael Bisping, as of right this moment, is on the leaderboard for fighter of the year. 2016, three wins. Anderson Silva winning the belt in, in June. And now this one, I think, I think that's an arguable stance, right? Someone can make that stance. Well, well somebody from Fighters Only said to me that you're probably... Uh, a good bet for fighter of the year. Wow. Fight of the year, upset of the year, and then a contender for knockout of the year. So, uh, even to be nominated for those would be quite quite the feat. So, uh, yeah, I'm doing something right so far. Enjoy it. Um, enjoy the time off. Again, congratulations. And, and once again, thank you very much for coming on the show. I'll leave you alone now for at least a few weeks. Appreciate no, your... No, no, no. It's always a pleasure. I'll keep up the good work, my friend. Okay. And, uh, Hopefully I'll see you in New York soon. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Michael. Congratulations. Right. See you, buddy. Okay, Bye-bye. there he is, Michael Bisping, the reigning defending UFC middleweight champion. Uh, thank you very much to him. All right, let us move along. This is the one that you have been waiting for. For the last few weeks, last few months, we have all been wondering what is going on with George St. Pierre. If you recall, a few months ago, he came on this program, said that he was itching to get back. He wanted to get back, did his little training camp, and he was ready to resume his fighting career. Since then, we haven't heard a ton from him, but we have heard from UFC President Dana White, countless interviews telling us he doesn't have that fire. He doesn't want to fight again. He's seen fighters, Dana has said. George isn't one anymore. Great career. It just doesn't feel like it's there, at least in his eyes. Well, we want to hear from the source. We want to hear from the guy. And after a lot of work, George has agreed to come on the show. So joining us right now via the phone is the one and only George Rush St. Pierre. How about this? George, are you there? Hi, Ariel. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for having me. I, uh, I'm sorry I... You know, I know you, you wanted to talk to me earlier, and a lot of reporters actually uh, asked me to do an interview uh, earlier, uh, but I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't have make any comment because of what was going on, uh, and uh, now I am I'm giving you the exclusivity, my friend. Well, I appreciate that very much. Uh, us Montreal guys, I think we have to stick together in this crazy world of MMA, so merci beaucoup uh, à vous. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so this is the big question. We want to know what's going on. Uh, like I said, I laid it out. You told us that you were interested in coming back. You were in negotiations. Yeah. There were a few things. Dana White has said his things. Where do you stand right now? Well, right now, I'm free agent. I'm, uh, I, you hear it right? I'm, I'm free agent. I'm, 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 uh, my lawyer terminate the contract with the UFC. Wow. So you are no longer tied to the UFC. Well... What happened is, to make a long story short, is last February, I I told Lorenzo that I wanted to fight again. Uh, we had a meeting in the Vegas, and I came with my agent, and uh, I, I, I told him that I wanted to fight again. And um, since February, we've been in my my team was in negotiation with Lorenzo's. Uh, many names were offered and, and, and uh, in different UFC 200 in New York, but we thought the best uh, date was the Toronto date. So that's one of the main reasons I, I entered uh, the, the USADA uh, testing, yeah. you know, to have my four months prior testing. And we had up and down, you know, like uh, it's not always been uh, good. 
you know our negotiations are you know it, it doesn't take it, it it doesn't end up in only an hour it goes back and so you know uh, we had some agreement some disagreement you know and I, I remember even like at some time you told us that they would take a huge financial risk to have me back and they would need to spend a lot of money to reintroduce me to the new audience you know what I mean so just to, to tell you in what what mindset they were and what mindset we were and what we asked for is really trust me it's really reasonable um, well so the negotiation we, we, we came uh, we were making compromise on both sides we, I, I think we, we, we were close to an agreement at some point towards the end until a big news arrived and the news was the UFC got sold to new owners and we were told that uh, the need, everything were, was put on ice until the new owners uh, take uh, take charge. So we waited for weeks without any news from the new owners. Finally, the news came. The new owners to- told that Lorenzo's offer was off the table, and so it was like a shock for us because we felt like we were making progress. You know, we we're almost there. And when he told us there, I got angry, you know, and, and, and I talked to my, my advisor and I like to hire the best lawyer in the business. His name is James Quinn. He's the man that's not on your side in that, in that type of situation. And James Quinn gave, uh, he gave them a, a legal deadline because I already have a contract with UFC. It's, it's a 2011 contract gave them a deadline to, to give me a fight because I wanted to fight. Even the, during the, that deadline, I remember we didn't have any news, no, no email, and I was always waiting for phone calls. And I heard Dana was saying in the media during that time that I didn't want to fight, that I didn't have it in, in me. You know, I, I, you know, I know it's a, probably a strategy for this part, but I didn't have any news until until the last day of the deadline, very late at night, believe it or not. And uh, we received a, a four-letter saying, oh, uh, you know, they were supposed to schedule us a fight. That, that, that's what we were waiting for. But they, they, they sent us a letter saying, oh, if I was, if I would, it was interesting of fighting Robbie Lawler sometime. And I knew that Robbie Lawler pulled off of New York card. Because of, of, I don't know the reason, but he, he was out of New York, New York card, and I heard an interview in, in, by Morgan Wall. He said he, he needed a long break. So I, I, the next day, my my lawyer James Quinn told me, George, now you're free agent. You're free. So that's how it, that's how everything happened. Wow. Um, okay. There's a lot to unpack there. Do you think? Did you feel like you were very close to a deal? Like it was just you know. At the goal line, so to speak, with Lorenzo, did you feel like you were going to get it done had they not sold the company? Well, I thought, I thought we were closer, you know, and we were really closer because what we asked, what we asked, the minimum we could go, and it's very, very reasonable. It's even lower than most of the magazine, like, like I read the Forbes magazine and everything. It's even lower than what they think I deserve, you know, for the general people that knows, knows. Uh, so I really thought 
you know, I felt like a a little bit like a yo, you know, like a, and and you you know, it was some rumor going on sometime me fighting uh, uh, Lawler than Bisping than uh, uh, Woodley, and and I'm the kind of guy that you know I've talked about it before. I'm a little bit OCD. When when I think I got a fight coming up, everything I do. When I sleep, I think about it. When I drive, I train every t- like I think about it 24. So I get very. Uh, affected mentally by it because I really thought I was going like every time things were changing so I was getting ready mentally to fight a certain guy and, and I was very excited in a way but then after I, things were not happening so that's why I, I hired James when I got just drained you know like I, of, of all that uh, thing you know okay so at that point um, you're 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 in the point of, you know, you, you say, okay, you have two weeks, they come back. How do you determine that they are in breach of contract, that the contract is now up, and have you notified them? Or is this the first time that they're hearing that you consider yourself a free agent? Like, are you guys leaving on good terms here, or are you expecting this, you know, to, to go down a certain path? No, I, I, it, for me, it's not emotional, uh, and, and uh, it, it's, it's purely business. Um I don't, you know, people that misunderstand sometimes, I'm doing this because of the best of my interest. They, I, I don't dislike uh, the, the UFC. UFC do what they do for the best of their interest. Dana White is the best promoter in the world, Ariel. He is the greatest of all time. We wouldn't make that for a living. We wouldn't make uh, mixed martial arts for a living if it would not be for Dana White. We hold Dana White that. He, he did that for all of us. He, he took the UFC when it was small. He took it and he, 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 he raised the bar for every one of us. But now in this situation, unfortunately, he, he's against me because of the biz, business interest. I don't dislike Dana White. It's because of a big part of what I do and what I have I've earned. It's because of Dana White. Um, Dana White is so good. He's gonna, he, he can take, for example, he can make organize a fight between Hulk and Mother Teresa and make people believe it's going to huh. be an even fight and make people believe that they need to see that fight. You know, he, he's so good at, at promoting. He's the best in the world. And when he says something, everybody believes it, and, and that's, that's how good he is. Uh, when, he's saying, when he's saying that I'm not ready to fight, there's only one person who knows who has, if I'm ready to fight, and it's myself. You know, Dana White doesn't know what it is to be a fighter. Uh, I know what it is to be a fighter. I'm a fighter, and I, I will always stand and support fighter, and I, I know what it is. I've started fighting in UFC. I, I made 3,000 plus 3,000 in the beginning, and I was working in, in UFC 46, and I, I, was, I was working two jobs at the same time. You know, So I know what is the grind. I, I, I've been there. I, 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 I'm not born rich. And I, I, I didn't rob nobody to be where I am right now. I, I, I made my way and I worked very hard and I'm very proud of it. So when you hear Dana White say in countless interviews that you don't want to fight anymore, that he knows what a fighter looks like and that's not you anymore, that you're stringing along sponsors, all this stuff, how are you reacting to that at home when you see this stuff? I, I'm, I'm very disappointed of, of, of everything, but I think... In the position that I am, I'm in a great position in a way because I'm, I got out so far healthy and wealthy. Hmm. And 
I have a lot of options. You know, back in the day, I was, you know, if you talk about the, the fighter, most fighter in UFC, they are, they are starving. And for UFC, it's very easy when you keep your, a lot of your staff starving, they are easier to control. You know, if you look in, 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 in other sport like NBA, NFL, and NHL, the revenue athlete owner are about 50 50. Hmm. But if you look in, in, in UFC, athletes make less than 10%. You know, and you know, it, it, it's unfortunate because it, it's unfortunate for us, for fighters, because a lot of the fighters, they don't have the option that I have. Now I have the option to stem, and I've never been afraid, like the, the performance and an enhancing drug problem, I've never been afraid to stem for what I believe is right. You still there? Yes. Okay. Sorry, I think that phone cut. Yes, I've never been afraid to, to stem for what I believe is, is right. You know what I mean? Um, I'm, I'm very sad for not be fighting in Toronto. I'm very disappointed of how, how, where we have to go now. But for my situation, I have no choice to do it for the best of my interest. So it's not personal. It's, uh, you know, in business, it's, I don't think you need to be, to like the person you do business with. Even if the UFC doesn't like my, my team, my agent, they could make business with them. I, I truly believe it would have been a win-win scenario if I would have fought in Toronto. They would have made a lot of money. I would make good money. It would, it would be win-win scenario. But unfortunately, because it's not happening, I'm losing. I believe USC is losing, but the biggest loser in all that is the fans. Did you try to sit down with Dana White or perhaps Ari Emanuel or even Lorenzo Fertitta, who we heard closed the deal with Chris Weidman a couple weeks ago, face-to-face to try to clear the air? Was that ever discussed? They, they never called me. Uh, but a lot of things have been said in, in, in the media. And, and I mean, I, I feel sometimes, you know, I, I try to not take these things personal, but I feel a little bit attacked on a personal level when things are saying like that, you know, like saying I'm, I'm trying to manipulate the system and stuff like that. Because I, 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 I truly, I, I truly believe that at one point it would, I, I truly believe in, in, in what I stand for. You know, I, I, I truly believe that what we ask is, is totally reasonable, you know, like, and for me, it's completely illogical that, this this fight the, the fight did not happen in Toronto, you know, because we would have been both winners on both. We would be have been winners on both sides, and now instead of that, we're all losers, especially the fans. We're all losers. Yeah. Um, if I believe if if Lorenzo was still there, it would have been maybe different because we were making a lot of progress towards the end when when, when we were talking to Lorenzo, but when the new owner came. All the offers were off the table, so it, it was like a big step back, and we, we were, you know, it, it was insulting. And so I wonder why Lorenzo didn't come in like he did with uh, Chris Weidman, but I guess that's something that we'll never know. Um, when you were on the show back in, I believe, June, you said that there were some roadblocks, things in your contract that need to be discussed. You mentioned, you know, the uniform, the Reebok. With Lorenzo, were all those things addressed and conquered did you feel like you were getting a good deal that you were comfortable with what was being offered yes we, we were uh 
I mean, this, that's where I need to be careful in what I'm saying. But my 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 lawyer will will will, will can, can go and explain this. Okay. Because it's it's legal terms, and, yeah. and if I get involved into this, it could it could mess up things. But yes, all these things, all the legal problems, like you just mentioned, were were uh, were going to they were taken care, of and then they were they were talked with Lorenzo. You know, like it was more. I, we felt that we were. It was more a cooperative with Lorenzo, and when. When we talked to the new owner, it was like uh, a total different story. Everything was off the table. Like, Right. Um, when they say things like they have to take a financial hit, they have to reintroduce you to the crowd, what is your reaction to that? But I, for me, like I said, I don't take it personal. I, I found it actually a little bit funny, to tell you the truth. Because, you know, I, I know it, 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 it's a lie, but... Sometimes I really believe, I, I, I'm starting to asking myself if they believe what they're saying. If they're so caught up into what they're saying, and they, they start believing, believing it. I'm pretty confident, Ariel, <laughs> that if I would have go fight in Toronto, I'm pretty confident that I would have sold, sold the Toronto Stadium in a few minutes. I'm that confident. I, I'm sure the fans have not forgot about me. I'm sure it would have been a, a great success. And I'm, 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 I'm very disappointed of, of, of what happened. But in the same time, I'm disappointed. And now I'm, I'm you know, I, I felt a little bit like a yo-yo. It took a lot of, of energy. And now I'm, you know, I decide to, to you know, to, to I, that's why I hear my, my lawyer, you know, to, to yeah. free myself. So do you want to pursue other deals? Do you want to keep fighting? Are you interested in fighting for a different promoter now? Well, we'll see what's going to happen. Now I just announced the big news on, the, on your show. Thank you. I give you the exclusivity, like I promised. And now we'll see what's going to happen. And you know, in mixed martial arts, everything is a question of timing. Everything can happen. You know, like I, I, I try to see things in a logical way, not in, a, in an emotional way. And I have a great team of advisors, and um, I'm trying to listen to them. Me, I'm, I'm, I'm a fighter. Uh, business. This kind of business is not my area of expertise. You know what I mean? So I, I'm trying to to really listen of the uh, to 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 what my advisor tell me. Right. Um, how do you think? I, I, you know, it's hard. It's hard for me, Ariel, because I started fighting in UFC in, in UFC 46 a long time ago. So for me, UFC being a like a like a family for me. It, it's a now I enter a territory that is very unknown. It's, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. So that being said, if this ends up being the end, now that you've come back from 167 and you say, you know, you took a break and you said you wanted to sort of, you know, put a pause on your career, but then you go back and you get the itch again and you start training and you say, okay, I want to come back and I want to fight in Toronto. Like mentally, you have now redevoted your life to it. If this is the end, how will you react to that? Will you be at peace with that? Or do you feel like now that you've recommitted yourself to MMA that you need to keep fighting? You know, I, I've said in the past that all the things that I regret the most in life is the thing that I have not done. And the reason why I wanted to go back and fight is because, I did, you know, I feel right now that I'm at my best. And I have something, you know, I, I, and I truly, I'm truly confident I can beat the guys that are champion right now. I'm, I'm, I'm that confident. You know what I mean? But that, you know what I mean? I, like, at, at least, at least I'm, 
I'm I'm a free, I'm a free man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now I know I'm free and I have other option. I'm not caught up in uh, legally with a contract. You know, I'm 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 a free man. How do you think that they're going to react? It, it, it leaves more options. Sure. That's, that's what I'm saying. How do you think that they're going to react to this? If you do get offers that you like, do you think that they're going to stand in your way? Are you preparing yourself for, you know, like a Randy Couture type of situation? Or do you think it's going to be like a Chael Sonnen situation where you can go and do whatever you want? I, I really don't know. I, I mean, I enter really unknown uh, territory right now. I, I've, never, I've never been in this situation before. Okay. I'm going to listen to the, my team of advisors, you know, and, and see what they, they believe is the best move. And uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Uh, it's, uh, we'll see. Um, you mentioned, you know, being a fighter and standing with the fighters. As you know, this year, uh, unions, associations, a very hot topic. How do you feel about that? And, and if there was one in place, do you feel like you'd be more protected in a situation like this? Like I said, I'm, I'm always on the fighter's side, and I, I will always support the fighter, and also I will always support every all-serious initiative that can help fighters. Um, you know, because it, it's sad. If, if I look at, at, at myself, I consider myself very lucky, very blessed. Because I'm healthy and I'm wealthy and I have the power because of the position that I am, I have the option of saying no. A lot of these guys that are fighting, they don't have the, uh, this option like I, like, like, like I was before. And I understand because I've been there before. So it's up to guys like me, Conor McGregor, Anderson Silva, Jose Aldo, like guys that are big names who stand for, for, for these guys that, that, that doesn't have these options. And it's unfortunate because what we do, it's, 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 a, it's not a game. I mean, it's, it's very dangerous. You know, you, a lot of these guys, they, they, they can come out of it because they're pursuing their dreams. And a lot of these guys, they would, I, I mean, a lot, I would say most of these guys, they will get out of this business with, uh, you know, like, like, they will be broke mentally, physically, and financially, unfortunately, as the situation is right now. So it's very unfortunate, and you know what I mean? I, for me right now, I, 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 like I said, I always support, I, I always support for, for the fighters. Have any of these groups reached out to you to join them? Uh, no, I, I mean... Things right now are, are, like, I know a lot of things are happening, but right now, uh, there's thing uh, I, cannot, I cannot comment on. Okay. Um, speaking of Jose Aldo, he said recently that he was told by Dana White that you asked for $10 million to fight Conor McGregor. Uh, Michael Bisping said that you were asking for too much to fight him. Is that true? Well, uh, no, it's, the, the $10 million is not true because it's been, it's been I, I've read the, the article, this is not true that we asked for $10 million. Like I said, uh, and I read the article in Forbes magazine, uh, what we asked, it was not 10 million, but it was, it was trust me, it was very, very uh, uh, reasonable. And, and Michael Bisping has said that I, uh, I try to overprice myself. I just hope one thing for Michael Bisping, and I like Michael Bisping, and I, I, and I know that Michael Bisping sold out the, the Manchester arena in less than five minutes. I just hope that he that he was well taken care of for that. 
you know, because he deserves to be well, well taken care of. And I, and I hope if he said, if he said that about me, I hope he, because he took a hell of a damage in his last fight and congratulations to him. He did an amazing job, but I just hope he was compensated uh, as, as much as he deserved for that. That's the only thing I can say. And I, I'm not sure if he was, but I hope he was. Okay. Um, he, he also passed you on the all times wins list. Given the time which this happened, does that kind of add salt to your wounds that right now you can't, you know, keep pushing that and, and pass him and be the all time wins leader in, in, in UFC history? And that, that's, that's one thing I was very proud, uh, in, into UFC. It was my record of when I had the, the most wins in, into UFC, but he surpassed me. And I, I you know, Michael Bisping is a guy that I, that I really respected. He's a hard worker. You know what I mean? And, um, I'm very, I'm sincerely very happy for him. You know what I mean? Uh, for what he has done. He's a guy that has been always very outspoken against performance enhancing drug. And I, I'm very happy for the guy. And it, you know what I mean? And like I said, like I have many offers on the table. At one point, it was Michael Bisping. And I, and I thought it was going to happen. But now that what, everything that just happened, with my, when my lawyer told me that I'm free, it's it kind of, it's, it, it shut down a little bit of my uh, my option, you know, my, my drive, you know, to, to challenge people and and you know I'm, I I feel a little bit now that I I need I need vacation a little bit <laughs> from from all that because I've been I've been on a stress recently. I realized I really thought I was going to fight. Then I, I, I they told me I was not. Then I thought I was I was going to fight. Then I you know I felt a little bit like a yo-yo. So now I I, I just need to to step out of it and. Uh, to relax, you know, because I felt like it's it's emotionally draining for me. Sure. Because I thought I was because I heard the rumor on, on like like everybody else on 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 uh, on the internet. So I, I, at one point I thought it was yeah, it's gonna happen. I get excited and I talk to my trainer. Okay, we're gonna train for this guy. We're gonna bring this this sparring partner. So I, I was preparing myself. I was preparing the infrastructure of my my camp if it would happen. You know, but that's how I am. I'm crazy. I'm thinking about it twenty four seven. And it drained a lot of energy out of me. So now I'm, I just feel like I, I feel a little bit disappointed. I need to step out the the, the light a little bit. Uh, consi- I'm so sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. I, you know, I, I, I have, you know, I, I have my own gym, and uh, now every every place, a secret place where I can train without being bothered bothered by nobody. I, I have a crazy good infrastructure right now, and. I, I was I, I could have prepared myself very well, and now I'm, I just feel like everything is shut down. You know, considering that if the UFC calls your team tonight and says, "Look, we want to start over. Here's the deal. You guys like a deal? Are you open to fighting for them again, or do you think the damage is done? And as of right now, you're not interested in that. Like everything can happen. I'm like like. I, I'm, I'm not, it's not an emotional, uh, I try to not be emotional, uh, I realize, I, I do, I, I have done this move, I hired James Quinn, my lawyer, to, be, to, 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 to terminate the contract with UFC, and he terminated the contract with UFC because I, I wanted to give myself more options, you know, and, and, and uh, well, it, 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 it's for the best of my interest. And, mm-hmm. and I try to to do everything logical. You know, everything can happen. I, you know, I, I, you know, in business, everything can happen. Um, before that fight against Johnny Hendricks, you were 
you know, campaigning to have more drug testing. You wanted a lot of things to change in the sport. Are you content? The fact that you were interested in coming back, that you were close to coming back, are you content with the state of the sport? And that includes everything from drug testing and, and just the way the fighters treat it. I know you talked about, you know, fighters getting paid more and things like that, but do you feel like the sport for 2016, given the fact that it's now 23 years old, do you feel like it's in a good place or are you still disappointed about certain things? And if so, what are they? Well, it, 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 it's much better than it was. And that's why it took a long time before I, 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 I came back. Uh, I, I wanted to make sure the system was in place and was strong. It's much better than it, than it was, uh, Ariel, but it's not perfect. Just look what happened with Brock Lesnar. They give uh, an exemption. They, 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 they still do a little bit what they want, you know? Like, it, it's, I, I think for, for the performance enhancing bug problem, they should not have gray area. It should be white or black. No gray area. Everybody should be treated the same without exception. I think that's the way it should be, you know, because when you start to give a free pass to people, now you, you start to have corruption and, and problems. And I think it shouldn't be that way. That's what I truly believe. But it, 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 it is much better than, than, it, than it was before. As you know, a trend has been building, you know, Anderson spoke up recently, Jose Aldo, Ally Quinta, what you're saying here, do you feel like there's a, a troubling trend building here? Is the UFC not doing a good enough job, in your opinion, of keeping its stars happy? Well, I, 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 I can only speak for myself. Um, and, you know, for, for my situation, I, I really felt like they missed the boat. I, I, I really feel like... Like I said, it could have been a win-win situation. If 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 it's only win on on one side, it's not good. You want to make both sides happy. And when you have a company and the employee are happy, everybody is happy. The fans are happy. You don't want to be only the the owners happy. So I think it's it's important that both sides are happy. Okay. Um, so let's wrap this up. In conclusion. In your heart of hearts, do you think you ever fight again, or is it too soon to say? I, I you know, I, I was very pumped up uh, a few weeks ago when we, we talked, and, and now I, I, I'm not as I'm, I'm not as pumped up as I was. Uh, like I said, I just enter. I'm entering unknown water now, unknown, unknown territory. I just, I just don't know what's gonna happen. Uh, we'll see what's gonna happen. I mean, uh, we'll have some news. I'm sure pretty, pretty, pretty soon, and we'll, we'll see. Um, a lot of people watching this, a lot of fans, I think, especially the Canadian ones, disappointed that you won't be on that Toronto card. And I don't know if you noticed, but for a long time on the website, it, it listed, you know. TBD versus TBD as the main event. Even Daniel Cormier himself was hoping that you would be the main event. To those Canadian fans in particular and your fans worldwide, what is the message to them? Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, like I said, I, I would have... To, to do it, it would, have, it would have been a win-win situation, but... And, and I think now with what happened, the, the, the biggest loser in this situation are the fans, you know? I'm a loser, UFC is a loser. Even the UFC is a loser. They wouldn't make a good match. I'm pretty confident that they don't need to reintroduce me to the new audience. I'm pretty confident that I can sell the, the, the hell out of the uh, uh, theater uh, easily. But like they, they, they see it in a different way. So 
unfortunately, it is what it is. You know, Ariel, I'm, 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 uh, I'm not as optimistic as I was before. I'm sorry. Sorry for my fans. Uh, the only the future will tell what's gonna happen. And now I'm gonna need to. I need to take a little break. You know, I, it, this whole thing take a lot out of me. Yeah. You know, a lot of. Uh, I, I get. I've, I've been drained a little bit emotionally. I was. I was waiting. Uh, every time I, I receive a call, I was uh, running to my phone, check if it was uh, my agent or UFC or like you know if if it, if it was good news. I, I was very uh, emotionally involved. You know, I was waiting for 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 good news. You know, I was saying trying to stay optimistic, but now I'm I'm not really optimistic uh, right now. Last question for you. What do you do now? I know you say you want to break, but what are you preparing for? Are you preparing for a ton of offers to come in? Are you sitting down with your team tonight? Like, What, what do the next few days this week look like for you after making this announcement? Well, um, I'm, I'm going to stay in shape and LB. Um, uh, personally, I, 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 got, I got a little bit sick. I, I, I got a... You know, I I, uh, I got a cold and a, and, and a lung infection. You know, when you I think I was stressed. So when you're stressed, you don't sleep as well, and and you, you, your your immune, immune system is is down. And I think that's one of the reasons also that I got. You know, it's the season too. It doesn't help. Everybody is sick. So I think I I need to take some time uh, to take care of myself. Okay. Well, I hope that happens soon. I hope you get well soon. Uh, Lord knows I bother you enough, George, and I appreciate you sticking to your word and, and coming on the show. Uh, it's not as positive news, as you said, as when you were on the show a few months ago. I think we were all very excited about the prospect of you returning. Um, and, and I think I speak for everyone when I say we hope that this somehow gets resolved and we get to see you compete again, because I think people really love to watch you fight. Uh, so I hope in some way you are happy with how this turns out, that you get what you want, that you get what you deserve. And well, Ariel, in, in business, this is a universal business. Look. When you're going into a negotiation, you need to be ready to, to, to walk away. Mm. And I will never be afraid to stand for what I believe is right. That's all I can say. Well said, George. I think a lot of people will respect that. Uh, just as much, if not more, than anything you did inside a cage. So kudos to you, my friend. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for your time, and good luck with this. Uh, again, I hope it turns out the way you want it to. Thank you, and uh, sorry for the fans. And um, um, I, I don't know what to say. All right. Well, thank you, George. Thank you, and all the best to you. There he is. Wow. What do you say about that? Arguably the greatest of all time. If you don't consider him number one, surely you consider him two, if not three, tops. You can make a very strong case that he is the greatest of all time. Coming on the show and for 30 minutes laying it out, as he has been known to do over the last few years, turning into one of the more riveting and fascinating interviews in our sport, uh, George St. Pierre telling the world that he is now a free agent. That according to his lawyer, James Quinn of New York, the UFC is in breach of their contract. They were given a two-week sort of deadline. Came back with a fight against Robbie Lawler. Nothing more. Nothing more was addressed. Close as far as negotiations were concerned with Lorenzo Fertitta. And then the new ownership group came in and for whatever reason... It dissolved. Now, of course, it's important to remember two sides to every story. Often there are three and four. Um, our team has reached out to the UFC. You want to get their thoughts on it? You have to get their thoughts on it. 
That's the only fair thing to do. And curious to hear what they have to say about this. But hopefully, and maybe it won't happen, but hopefully this can put to rest the notion that GSP didn't want to fight, that he was stringing us along, that he was stringing along sponsors. This, to me, sounded like a man who wanted to fight. This, to me, sounded like a man who was very disappointed that he won't be fighting on December 10th in front of his fellow Canadians. This, to me, sounded like a man who was somewhat, you know, bummed out by the whole process and wanted to go on vacation to forget about it all. Doesn't necessarily mean that it's dead. Doesn't necessarily mean that his career is over. Doesn't necessarily mean that his UFC career is over. I think George did a great job of keeping that door open by not pouring salt on any wounds, by not burning any bridges. But clearly, as of right now, there's nothing to show for it. Negotiations have failed, and according to his legal team, he's a free man. And this is something, I mean, not too different. Now, Chael went about it a different way, but Chael's situation wasn't the same But of course, out of left field, he's a free agent and he signs with Bellator. The times, they are changing, my friends. The sport is evolving in front of our eyes. As I've been saying time and again, a lot of things are changing, have changed, will change. Speaking of which, I mean... (laughs) What you, you follow people on Twitter, you hear from enough things. I think our own Dave Meltzer spoke about it. There are a lot of people in Las Vegas at Zufa HQ who are worried about the state of their jobs. Anyone who believed that a new ownership group would come in, buy the company for that much money, and just keep it status quo, you were fooling yourself. Same thing that happened with um, Strikeforce when they were purchased by Zufa. Same thing that happens in every business across the world when there's a takeover of sorts when it's bought out. Um, and many people are believing that that time may be coming this week, that there are a lot of layoffs coming, that there are a lot of duplicate jobs. And from what I've been told from countless sources, now people want to speak, um, that the morale there isn't great, that something needs to be done soon. People need to know the fate of their jobs. All this to say that a lot is changing, and that is to be expected. And that's not necessarily a knock on the new ownership. They buy it. They want to change it. They can't change it overnight. These things take time, especially when you're talking about you know a multi-million dollar industry, billion dollar industry. These things take time. Of course, for the families, the, the, the fathers, the mothers who are providing for their families, they want things to happen right away. They want to know the fate of their jobs, it's, it's unfortunate. So this will affect the employees who we often forget about. There are, I think, 300 or so people who work for Zufa across the world. And this will affect the fighters as well. And you, you saw it right there. George St. Pierre saying that with Lorenzo, it was close. New ownership group comes in. It ain't close anymore. And you wonder why Weidman was able to sit down with uh, Lorenzo Fertitta and he was used as some kind of mediator and this wasn't done with George. You wonder. A fascinating story um, to add to what has been the most newsworthy year in the history of this sport. And guess what? There's still two and a half months left. There's still MSG. There's still the return of Ronda Rousey. What happens to that Toronto card now? Does it just remain intact? Um, Do they add another big fight, a title fight? Who knows? But uh, the times they are changing, and it is a fascinating time to cover the sport. And again, I thank very much... George St. Pierre and his team for coming on the show and, and, and breaking that news and giving us some kind of update from his perspective. Now the ball goes back into the UFC's court and we want to hear what they have to say. And hopefully 
it can be done in a professional and truthful manner and we could get the real story about what's going on. Uh, I always thought, look, he just told us since February they had been negotiating, there were talks. To imply that there was no interest, to me, was a little disingenuous. Um, and, I, I, you know, I, I don't think that, I know sometimes you have to protect your interest and that's the way things go in sports, in the public eye. Personally, would have done it a different way. Um, let's bring in New York Rick here, get his perspective on what has been going on, get his perspective on the GSP story. Mr. New York Rick, are you there? I'm here. Uh, your immediate reaction. Now, you have been hounding me. You have been almost harassing me uh, about this GSP news. I mean, I kept you in the dark and I had to. You know, I had to. Did you? Uh, I mean, you're loose lips McGee over there. Uh-huh. Your immediate reaction to what he had to say to this news. <sighs> tempered because we don't know the other side of it. We don't know. So he declared himself a free agent, but we don't know what that actually means. There's still much, much um, to be seen here. That said, um, this is not something that would have happened, uh, you know, any other time. So it's, it's the biggest, you know, possible news for every other organization out there, because let's, let's assume that, um, GSP is is still under contract and and he's not a free agent. Um, there there is some kind of binding agreement or something like that. Um, I don't know if I you know he doesn't want to f- fight for the organization at least as far as what I can tell from what he's saying. They likely would want him, but he he wouldn't you know probably be the the ideal employee. Um, so everybody else in in the game has to be kind of licking their lips. Uh, it's funny they use the word employee, by the way, as that has been a sure a hot topic. And I know I know what you mean when you say that. But here's an important thing to remember, and I and I get your your tempered response. This is not a guy who woke up this morning and said, "You know what? I'm a free agent today." This is a guy who mm-hmm. went and and look up James Quinn, as I did as he was talking. Look up who he represents. Look up his history. Uh, these lawyers don't get paid a lot of money to you know make decisions that aren't based in fact. And also what we know about GSP is he's very measured. Um, oh, man. He's not going to come out and just say something that likely cannot be backed up. So, um, Trust me, I've been trying to get him on the show for quite some time. <laughs> I, I think that ultimately what we are leading to is, is GSP being a completely free agent and, and being fair game for other organizations. Now, at the end, he did say he lost a bit of that fire yeah, that um, is to fight, which is, which is interesting because you would think that when you're on the verge of, of free agency and when, and when you know, the, the market's going to be open for you, um, you should be talking about how the fire's still there and you want to be, you know... But you can understand why he's a little defeated, oh, oh, a little deflated. It's, it's the ultimate honesty. He's yeah. being completely honest. He's run down. He's tired. Um, this back and forth has gotten him tired. Um, but it's interesting if you're another organization to look at it and say, um, I don't want to hear that he lost his fire. I want to hear that I'm getting the very best GSP that, that we've ever had. And I think that the time off from actually fighting, even though I know he's training, um, will ultimately um, he'll probably be in a, in a pretty good uh, place physically when, when he does uh, or does not decide to come back. But if he does, um, this is this is huge news, and it's 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 going to be uh, a whole new ball game. Okay, now let me ask you this, because another interesting thing that he said was the UFC claimed that they believe they have to reintroduce him to the audience. How mm. much value, in your opinion, does George St. Pierre have in October of 2016? In other words, if yeah. you're Bellator or any other organization, are you essentially giving him a blank check because he redefines your organization? He now all of a sudden gives you a brand new identity because he is arguably the greatest of all time and still very much in his prime. 
I think it's very difficult to kind of measure this just because this is new. This is not something that's happened before. Now, but people, do you think GSP still holds, you know, that, I, that, that respect? Do people still want to see him fight? I do, but I also think that the, the promotion, the organization matters in this equation. It's not as simple as does GSP still have the juice? It's does GSP still have the juice and can that organization squeeze every bit of it out of him? Um, because I, I don't know that there's somebody out there that could leverage GSP the same way that the UFC could um, to make it worthwhile. I, now, again, we don't know what kind of numbers he's talking about. It seemed like he's saying it's not $10 million and that yeah. it's lower than that, but we don't know what this, this actual number is that he would need to fight. Um, I, don't think there's an, I don't think there's enough of a track record to really say at this point. This would be uncharted territory, to, as he said several times. In fact, he used that termin- terminology a lot about it being uncharted territory. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's enough evidence to say this superstar is established we've got him it possibly the best ever and now we're transporting him to another uh, organization will people tune in i don't know it's never been done so i i don't know um, well I'll, I'll say this i mean of course the first thought has to be bellator right they are yep. the number two yep. they have the deepest pockets they're owned by viacom they have been very active this year in free agency if bellator signed george st pierre and when you consider the fact that they also have signed. Could you imagine? I mean, what the heck? 2016. They also have Roy McDonald. Yeah. They signed George St. Pierre and bring him and, and they don't even need it, but if, if they do bring Roy, they can go to the Bell Center. They can go to the Air Canada Center in Toronto, Bell Center in Montreal. They can go to Rogers, um, Rogers Place in, in Vancouver. They can go to any major arena in the Great White North the hockey arenas, the 20,000-seat arenas, and sell it out, I think, in minutes. Yeah. You cannot do that with any fighter on their card, past or present, current, future. They have the key to that market if they sign George St. Pierre. Absolutely. And, and, and no other fighter, in my opinion, right now, as far as a potential free agent, of course, Connor is the key to the world, Ronda, but no other fighter who is close to free agency or possibly a free agent can do that for Bellator or any other organization. If they put a card with George St. Pierre only, forget Rory, forget stacking the deck the rest of the way. If it's the return of GSP, the Bell Center, which once held around 24,000, I think, for UFC 124, GSP Kostchuk 2, is sold out in minutes, in my opinion. That's a big deal. Yeah. And that is massive. It is. I mean... It depend obviously it depends on the price that he would need, but there's no question that uh, his fans will travel. Um, it's just wh- wh- what does that mean? But they for- don't even travel. Like you're going to Montreal, right, that's his coming- hometown. Okay, um, you know what I'm saying? His fans will show up. Is yeah. what I meant, uh, not travel. Um, but it, it also how does this impact the TV product? Do you completely you know revamp the organization and focus it on GSP? There's so much. There's so much fallout. There's so much impact that this would potentially have um, that it's 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 not been it's 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 an incredibly um, uh, un, uh, uncharted it's incredibly sure. uncharted this this experiment if if it were to come true if it were to come to fruition is uh, going to be ab- absolutely gripping um, no everybody's going to tune in for that and see. Uh, I, I think it will be very impactful on the future of how this type of thing goes. Um, it will be a trendsetter once again. Sure. And not 100% uncharted in the sense that Randy Couture had a situation with the UFC where I, they went to court and it didn't end up well for him. Um, I do believe that, oh, look, a very good tweet here from uh, Matt Brown, not the fighter, 
a longtime MMA journalist, now no longer works in the sport, but still works in media. George St. Pierre's attorney, James Quinn, has been the lead on cases involving NBA and NFL players, re-free agency, knows this space well. Again, he's not like, I know his team, I know his managers, I know the guys behind him. They, they don't speak out of turn. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm not saying that the UFC is not going to have something to say. I'm not saying that this is going to be like a, a walk in the park and he's going to be fighting, you know, on Spike tomorrow. But if they're coming out and saying this, I feel pretty good that they've done their due diligence. And maybe it's a little different than the Randy Couture situation in that regard. But also, I think the, the, the landscape is different. These, um, these megastars are much more important now. Uh, at the time, you know, the, that it was Randy Couture... Um, there were, it felt like there were more stars, but they had less individual impact, if that makes sense. There were more stars, there were more names, there were more faces in MMA, but they, the sport wasn't as driven by one individual fighter in the same way it is now, uh, with the Conor McGregor and Ronda Rousey and now potentially GSP, um, if, if that still remains, uh, the case, um, where their importance is, is elevated, um, to to a to an incredible degree, and I think, um, yeah, it's I I don't think I don't think there's anything like this. Two I really o- don't. Two think. other thoughts. Um, I think a lot of people are thinking when WMEIMG and the group of investors bought the UFC for four billion, they're like, oh wow, now we're going to make it, and it was a very interesting thing because finally a number had been attached to the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they're actually going to try to recoup that money in the sense of. Cutting back shows, which is the word, doing less internationally, not paying for big name free agents, letting people like Chael and maybe a GSP walk away. So, you know, they got to get the money back. They got to get into the black. They don't, they don't want to be in the red. And that is a big investment with a big loan. There's a lot of money at stake here. Um, and I think that's very interesting. I also think it's interesting that, you know, this idea that, okay, George St. Pierre last fought in 2000 and when was it? When was UFC 167? Was it 2013? Um, signed a contract in 2011. I believe he has like four fights left. You know, this idea that, okay, if you don't fight, your contract gets frozen. I don't know how, I don't know how fair that is, A. And B, um, especially when the landscape of the particular promotion that the contract is tied to completely changes. Reebok, no sponsorships, USADA, TV deals. It can't be frozen for one side and not for the other. GSP was allowed to wear any sponsor he wanted. He was allowed, and that's why he signed that deal because he could do this and that. But then to come back and say, "Okay, we're going to still pay you this amount, but you can't do these other things," it doesn't really work. You know what I mean? And I think this is also being brought to light as the sport continues to change. Guys are taking breaks and coming back into this new world. Fascinating time, unbelievable. And, and, and Connor has done a lot here in terms of bringing this stuff to the forefront, having this be a part of the discussion. Guys becoming a lot more financially conscious. I don't think it has anything to do with the GSP situation, but it is literally evolving in front of our eyes. The sport is changing in front of our eyes. It will not look the same next year. It will not look the same in six months. Behind the scenes, in front of the camera. I mean, just look at who's fighting for Bellator now, you know? Could you have ever... I, I was looking at a picture. I was looking through our gallery. I was looking at a picture of... Um, uh, I was trying to find a picture for George St. Pierre and I was looking at the media workouts from UFC 167 at the media workouts for UFC 167 was Chael Sonnen, Rory McDonald, Hoist Gracie, 
George St. Pierre. I was like, uh, who would have ever, yeah, like, whoever thought that we would get to this point? Unbelievable. Now, let, let's assume, I think this is a, an interesting question. Let's assume that GSP still has um, as, as much drawing power as we think he does. Um, now, I, I, I'm, I'm too far inside the MMA bubble to really, you know, be able to, to objectively think about it, but I think GSP has tremendous drawing power. Yes. Let's assume that's correct. Yes. Does he need to sign with an organization? Or huh. does he huh. do his own thing? Yes. If he has as much juice as we think, yeah. he could be potentially doing his own thing. Uh, and, and that would be unprecedented as well. Yes. Funny you bring that up. Um, I tweeted this on Saturday. There was an article on themaclife.com, one of my favorite websites, uh, where they were talking about Charlie Ward, not the quarterback, not the <laughs> Heisman Trophy winner, not the former point guard of the New York Knicks. I, I was just waiting for all those jokes to roll in. Same spelling, but teammate, friend of Conor McGregor's at SBG Ireland, signing with UFC, fighting Randy Brown on December 9th in Albany. And they were talking about how Team McGregor is happy and, and, and we're bringing in another guy and interesting times for McGregor Inc. and all this stuff. And you go back to that interview where I sat down with Connor prior to 189, um, where he talked about all this stuff, about kind of being his own promoter and all that. Uh, that, is, that is the boxing model. And you wonder with all this stuff happening, if, if this is going to happen as well in our sport. And I don't know if that is necessarily good in the sense that, okay, we look at it from a fan perspective. We always like the UFC because all the best were fighting under one umbrella. If things get splintered from a clean you know, easy way to follow the sport, it changes. But I think from a revenue sharing standpoint, that is a very good thing for the fighters. They get a bigger piece of the pie. Yeah, and I think there's very few who could kind of lead that charge, but GSP yeah, could you imagine? seems like one of them. And he also, one of the things that, I mean, there was so much that he said in, in that interview, um, but he also touched on the fact that himself, Conor McGregor, Anderson Silva, Jose Aldo, guys like that need to be leading the charge sure. um, about taking care of other fighters and, and um, you know, uh, making sure that they're properly compensated. He mentioned Bisbing's compensation. Um, it seems like all of these things are on his mind at the, at the very least um, in terms of uh, figuring out a way for uh, fighters to be uh, taken care of. So I don't know. Um, there's just there, he said so much, but there's it's uh, it's going to be. I think this will be the story of wow in a, in a long line yeah. of stories in 2016. What's your what's your prediction? Do we ever see GSP fight again? I have to think so. Wow. Why? Right. Well, why declare your free agency if you don't need? I know you want that card in your back pocket. You want the leverage. You want the ability to do it. But if you weren't really planning on pursuing it, yeah, you might just let it fall. Why go? Put, why put yourself through all the hassle? Why go through the effort? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he he's thinking about it, um, and and that should be enough. And a guy as you know, it's not George left as a champion. George left as probably the one of the best ever, if not the best. Um, you got to think he's looking for a challenge, and yeah, he he. He's under no obligation to make himself a free agent. So I think that that almost says it all. Yeah, I mean, very interesting to sort of declare yourself a free agent in the sense of like Carmelo Anthony, we knew that his contract was up two years ago. He doesn't sign any offers. Okay, I'm going to test the market here. You you really want to hear what the other side has to say about this. Yeah. Uh, the sport is so different. Um, and so we, we await that word. Um, and we see what happens. 
massive stuff from GSP. Uh, the other big news last week before, and a reminder that uh, in a few minutes, we are going to be joined by Jerry the King Lawler, of all people, to talk about Bellator 162 in Memphis this weekend. But Ronda Rousey is back. Was it the right call to put her in the title fight? I hate these questions because... Why? If you were in charge, would you the bring right her back? Call, like, was it deserved? Was it no, the right no, no, call? no, no, no. These, if like, you were in charge, if you, yeah. So I'm asking your opinion. If you were in charge, would you bring her back? If I was the UFC yes. promoting it, yes. yeah, of course, yeah, of course. Not, not do something like Holly Ronda with Pena Nunez as the title, so you get like sort of two for the price of one, so to speak. No. Okay. You put Holly. Uh, you put Holly. You put Ronda back in there, um, and you, and then you 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 play it out from from there. Yeah, you, that's that's absolutely what I would have done. Do you agree with the notion that the media treated Ronda unfairly, that we turned on her? Well, I think referring to the media, quote unquote, is like a cop out. It's just it's just a silly thing. The media is not one entity. Yes. There are individual that people and writers. Like, that is true. I just hate the idea of the the quote unquote media um, being called you know out just because. I could write something completely different in one newspaper and you could write something uh, opposite what I said and we'd both be the media. Sure. Um, do I think Ronda was treated unfairly? I think to a certain degree, there is an element of that. Not not so much that she was treated unfairly, but she wasn't used to this level of uh, backlash. She was the darling and she was you know covered as an inspirational figure and things like that. Um, when she lost, there was coverage of her of her shortcomings, and she may not have been prepared for that. I don't think I don't think it was that anybody had a vendetta against her, but seeing all that coverage uh, potentially could have affected her. Look, I I, uh, I I'm happy that you said it because you're not you know the conventional media member. I am so not a speak, media member, but I, make no mistake. I am happy that you say this because nothing pisses me off more when people paint everyone a group of people with one brush yeah i think that there is a big distinction between the media and twitter trolls twitter sure. trolls treated her unfairly twitter trolls try to dance on her grave try to you know kick her while she was down i think if you go back to the media reaction we obviously covered it it was a big deal we were sort of shocked we covered it for weeks we sort of celebrated holly we went to albuquerque to talk to her teammates but i don't think that we were unfair i don't think that we were unprofessional i don't think we hit her below the belt I don't think we are unhappy that she's back. I don't think we tried to keep her away. So, again, I think that there was some confusion there as far as saying the media. Yeah, I, I don't think there was any ill will or slant or anything like that. But I do think there's an element of truth to the fact that she may not have been ready for that. And yeah. she saw all that coverage of it. Um, because the expectation is, A, that the ride is never going to end. You're going to keep winning. Nobody's expecting to lose. Nobody goes in and prepares to lose. Um, but she was she was brought so high... And then her fall was also covered, yeah. which is the opposite side of that. And she may not have been prepared for that. I don't think there was anything nefarious. I don't think anybody went after her. I don't think anybody attacked Let me backtrack on that. Maybe somebody did. I didn't see that in particular. Um, but I just think that, uh, you know, it's um, it's a difficult thing and good for her for just now at this point shaking it off and jumping right back into a title fight. Okay, go call the king. Correct. We're going to be joined by royalty in a matter of moments. Jerry the King Lawler. If you're wondering why Jerry the King Lawler is going to be on the show, well, we always love talking to the legends. We've done it before on this program. Bill Goldberg has been on. Uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper, the late, great Roddy Piper has been on. 
Of course, CM Punk has been on. We've talked to many, many from the world of pro wrestling. And I have long believed that MMA's roots are in pro wrestling, that there is no mixed martial arts if there's no pro wrestling, that elements of pro wrestling um, are being copied every day when growing the sport of mixed martial arts. But specifically, Jerry the King Lawler is on the program this week, this particular Monday, because Bellator is in Memphis on Friday. Memphis, Tennessee. And that is his backyard. They're holding an event on Friday from the FedEx Forum, headlined by Alexander Slomenko, making his long awaited return to Bellator against Kendall Grove. Also, speaking of pro wrestling and MMA, Bobby Lashley is on the card. AJ Matthews against Hisaki Kato. Ryan Couture, remember him? He's on the card. And the other big one, of course, Kevin Ferguson Jr., a.k.a. Kimbo Slice Jr., the son of the late Kimbo Slice, also making his Bellator debut on Friday. So since, and this is a brilliant move, in my opinion, by Bellator, Jerry Lawler is the king of Memphis. Currently, we all know about Elvis's past, but this is a man who has sold tickets in Memphis. This is a man who has a history there, who calls Memphis home, who is a iconic figure there, who recently opened a restaurant um, on the world-famous Beale Street, which I think the organization is taking advantage of by holding uh, sort of media day on Wednesday, I believe. A very smart move to uh, link up with Jerry Lawler. So in a matter of moments, we are going to be joined by the King. One of my favorite movies of all time, no joke, and I'm sure he has heard it before, is Man on the Moon. I have read, watched it all as it pertains to his uh, feud, which I said at the beginning of the show, around three or so hours ago, in my opinion, the greatest feud in professional hist- uh, wrestling history, the feud between him and Andy Kaufman. Nothing better than that. And you wonder if that can actually happen in 2016. But uh, we will talk about that in a bit for now. What an honor it is to welcome Jerry the King Lawler to the program. How about this? Jerry, are you there? I am here. How are you? I'm doing great. Well, thank you so much. Uh, truthfully, I say it is an honor. In fact, uh, back at, I think, WrestleMania 17, I waited in line for around two hours hours to take a picture with you and Jim oh. Ross. That's how big of a fan I was of you guys. So uh, this this means a lot. Thank you for doing it. Well, thank you very much for being a fan. I mean, yeah, it was, uh, uh, you'd be surprised how many and how often uh, I get told by fans that, you know, that JR and I was like their favorite broadcast team of all time. And then just so many memories. I mean, I just did the New York Comic Con this past week and I bet I heard 200 times people said, you and JR are the voice of my childhood. Man. Yeah. So anyway, it's a, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an honor. And it's, it's so funny because I, I guess, I don't know if I take it for granted or whatever. I just, I never really think that much about it, you know, that, that, that it's that big a deal. But I, I, and I guess I, I should stop and realize how, what, what a big deal it has been to so many fans, you know, that have watched it for so long and so many years. But uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a long ride and a fun ride. And I heard you mention Andy Kaufman. He was a big he was a big part of that. Well, I know you get asked about him a lot, but I would be remiss if I don't ask you about him in a second. I'll save that for a second because I, I truly love that movie and I've watched it a million times and I've watched all the clips. But I want to ask you first: How did you link up with Bellator? How did this happen? Well, I'm a, you know I'm a, I've been 
a big MMA fan for a long, long time. Uh, especially, you know, with the crossover of the different, uh, uh, guys from the WWE, Brock Lesnar, and of course Bobby Lashley, and all the way back to Ken Shamrock, and, and different guys like that. Uh, so, uh, it's just that, I guess just that, that natural tie in sort of heightened my interest in it. But, uh, then uh, just recently I was, I was approached by the people from Bellator. I guess since the, uh, you know, 162 is going to be in Memphis, and, uh, we have such a, gosh, I don't know, just, such a it's amazing the history that wrestling has there in Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis was so unique in the fact that um for years and years and years we didn't have any professional sports in town. Now of course we got the Memphis Grizzlies, but for years uh, you know we didn't have any any pro sports and pro wrestling was it, man. It was the thing. We had a live 90-minute show every Saturday morning in Memphis for the 35 years straight that people watched growing up and, and everybody tuned into it. And then, then we did live matches at the Mid-South Coliseum every Monday night. And so uh, it just everybody in Memphis knows, you know, I mean, they, they grew up with me and they grew up with wrestling there. And so the Bellator people were just, uh, I guess, realizing this, the uh, tie-in with Bobby Lashley, they got in touch with me and asked if I would like to, you know, be a part of this thing. So I, I jumped on it immediately. I, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Do you agree when I say that the roots of mixed martial arts are are firmly planted in pro wrestling? If there's no pro wrestling, there's no MMA, and that MMA is 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 more similar to pro wrestling than maybe the way it's structured than any other sport out there, including boxing. Well, uh, you know what? I would I would have to agree with you. You know, Scott Coker, the the president of Bellator MMA, is like uh, he reminds me so much. Of, of Vince McMahon, especially recently with the, with the new signings that he's doing, you know, in, in the WWE, which Vince has just, uh, just started up with. We had the brand split. We've got Raw and SmackDown Live separated now, and, and they're, they're calling this a new era, and they're bringing in all these young guys and this young, uh, uh, women from, from NXT, which is their, which is their, um, you know, like the training, uh, facility where they, where they, you know, get guys ready to, to make it up to the big time, and and all of these uh, guys are, are are making that jump now. And the same thing in at Bellator MMA, you know, with a ton of new signings by Scott Coker, and uh, it, it just it just it reminds me so much of of the same type of uh, building up the same type of enthusiasm in the fans there at, at Bellator MMA that we have in the WWE. It's funny to hear you compare Scott to Vince McMahon. I, I get what you're saying. A lot of people have compared Dana White to Vince just for their personalities. Scott, I think, is sort of the antithesis of a typical promoter of Vince McMahon, but I do 100% get what you're saying. Have you ever been to a live MMA event? No, this is going to, this is going to be my wow. part. Well, I take that back. Uh, I've not been to, um, um, gosh, and I can't, I can't even remember. Uh, it was in Lexington, Kentucky. I don't, I don't know. You know, it wasn't UFC. I know. Uh, but it was, it was a live MMA event. And, they had me. They had me do a little guest commentary on, on uh, you know, one of the fights, and it, it was it was a lot. I mean, it was nothing on the scale of what this uh, sure. Bellator uh, 162 is going to be at the FedEx Forum in Memphis. Nothing on that scale. So, I'm I'm really excited about this. A question I love to ask uh, pro wrestlers, especially the legends like yourself is, you know, you, I think you guys don't get enough credit for being athletes and for being tough individuals. People just sometimes like to dismiss wrestling as being acting and don't really understand what it's all about. If MMA was as popular back when you were growing up, 
back when you were starting your professional career, would you have gone into it? Uh, though, uh, guys like Undertaker, Booker T, they have said this to me, that they would have chosen, CM Punk has said it recently, they would have chosen MMA. Do you think you would have, or do you think that you would have always gone down the road of pro wrestling? Yeah, well, let me think about that for a minute. Uh, no, I would not. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely gone down the road of, of of pro wrestling. No, I mean, I always enjoyed. Uh, I always enjoyed the the, uh, the I, I guess you might say the more theatrical side, the showmanship, getting to talk to you know, and, and and bring out your personality and and relating to the fans in that respect. More so, I, I was almost like you know, I enjoyed doing the 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 wrestling. TV show more than more than I did actually getting in getting in the ring and wrestling. That was almost secondary as opposed to the build up for the fights, you know, and the matches. But uh, no, I, w- I I I would definitely not have chosen to be in ring. I can't say that I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have enjoyed uh, broadcasting the uh, uh, the Bellator fights because I'm I'm certain that it would. As a matter of fact, I think good old Jr. now has gone on and and, and done the, done a couple of uh, fights as well in that. And he called me and said, "Man, it's it's really it's really a lot of fun." Uh, what are the chances you make an appearance on Friday on Spike TV in the broadcast booth to speak a little bit, maybe call a fight? Any chance of that? Well, I'm I'm definitely going to be there. I'm definitely going to be cage side. Oh. I, you know, I've told everybody, man, I've been ringside for a million matches uh, in the WWE and, and all over the world with wrestling, but I've never been, you know, really up close and personal personal cage size so i'm gonna uh i i I don't know you know there could be some sort of conflict with the networks and that sort of thing since it's on spike tv and wwe is usa you know i'm 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 not sure that there may be some sort of conflict but i'm gonna try to check on that but i would love to get you know i would love to sit and do a little bit of guest commentary on, on one of the fights truthfully now are you disappointed that you aren't on color commentary for raw or smackdown your role has changed you miss doing it? Well, uh, yeah, my role has definitely changed. But, you know, I understand that, you know, I understand the thinking behind the role change. I mean, there was, it was a situation when, I mean, it, the, the date was set, uh, I guess, a long time ago, and the, and the decision was made that, hey, we're going to go in a different direction. You know, nothing is sure in life except change, and that's what they decided. They set a date, and they said, Hey, on this date, we're going to change the WWE, uh, and and then it wasn't one of those things where we said we're going to change it for the better. We're going to change it just for the sake of change, and and part of that change was you know uh, shuffling up the announce crew. Part of the change was uh, you know doing a brand split, bringing SmackDown over to um, uh, over to Tuesday nights and putting it on the live, uh, and and you got to realize too that. WWE is looking, uh, you know, they, they got their sights set way ahead in the future. And uh, believe me, the future of television in general is, is streaming video. It's like the WWE network. And they, you know, now we already, we already have all our, all our pay-per-views. There's always been a pay-per-view driven company. And now all the pay-per-views are on WWE network. Hmm. And so what, what, you know, what they did was they, they said, uh, of course, you know, trying to make it more palatable to me was, you know, we're really trying to build uh, the shows on the network. So they put together a Hall of Fame pre-show, which features me, Booker T, and Lena, and Scott Stanford as the host. And we're on now before, I'm actually doing more work than I was doing before. We're on before every Raw live. We're on before every SmackDown live. We're on before every pay-per-view for an hour. 
and 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 those shows then we do two pay per views a month. So where I did have a once a you know once a week job, now I've got to, like four times a week job. So um, it's not the same as as sitting there and, and calling the commentary. It's quite honestly, it's a lot easier. Um, but it's just, I guess it's just being gone and on the road that extra day that makes it not as palatable as doing the commentary. But, but, uh, doing the actual show with Booker T and Lita, I'm enjoying that. And I'm enjoying the fact that, you know, it's, uh, it's geared towards, uh, making the, you know, making the network stronger. Do you miss the commentary? <laughs> to be honest with you, not really. Okay. Wow. <laughs> a lot of, you know, a lot of people, I think everybody, I mean, I've had so many people say, man, you got a dream job there doing the commentary. And, and I guess in most people's eyes it is. But in reality, it's not nearly as easy as it seems. A lot of pressure, especially when you're doing Monday Night Raw. Uh, I know SmackDown as well. SmackDown is two hours. But Monday Night Raw is live every week, three hours long. you got to sit there and try to – I mean, it's just – it's so um, – it's so pressure packed that you're just you know you're constantly trying to monitor yourself. You got you got a uh, you know the live audience that's listening to you. You got Vince McMahon listening to you. You got your producer and director listening to you, and you got to listen to all of them at the same time. And it's it's a lot more that goes into it than people think. And I've I've always tried to um, I've tried to make it is. I don't know, not not as easy. I guess I, I guess I should say I tried to make it as easy as I could on myself. And the fact that I try not to take it all that serious. I try to have fun with it, and I try. That's why I try to interject some humor. And you know, I I, I think sometimes uh, when I listen to some of the com- commentary on some sports, it's like they try to make it like it's a life or death situation. And in reality, it's not. It's entertainment. Right. And so you know, I always try to be entertaining. In in ways other than just describing what I'm seeing, I'm trying to be you know interject some humor and some satire and some different different kind of things into my commentary, and so that that part made it made it fun, but it was never easy. I wonder if you've heard this before. Back in like '98, '99, Attitude Era, all that stuff, the rise of WCW. I didn't miss a single thing. I was ordering every pay per view, watching every show, Nitro, Raw, all that stuff. And then with the rise of mixed martial arts, I really started to feel like I was getting the same kind of excitement and entertaining entertainment, excuse me, out of MMA, but it was unpredictable. It was unscripted, and I started to drift away from pro wrestling. And at this point, be honest with you, I don't really watch it anymore. I haven't watched it in a long time. I still kind of know what's going on, but. I just feel like I get that same, you know, rise out of MMA and I I get the unpredictability. Do you feel like the rise of MMA has hurt the growth of pro wrestling? Well, no, I, I, I don't. I mean, they, they can certainly, uh, there's no doubt about that. The MMA, MMA has certainly been on the rise, but I don't think that it's hurt wrestling at all. I mean, you know, they could both coexist, uh, very, very successfully as is the case. I mean, WWE just had their, their biggest quarter, uh, financially in history, so they're not they're not hurting at all. I mean, uh, I think it was something like 199 million dollars in the in this past quarter that okay. they made. You know, so they're they're doing they're doing okay. They're doing actually better than ever. So you can't really knock success. But I think that what has had one one of the words that you said in there is so key, and it's unpredictability. Hmm. And the, the when wrestling is at its peak is when the fans sit there and can't figure out what's going to happen next. 
And I think that was one of the things that we had going back in the Attitude Era. You know, people were people were literally talking at the at the water cooler. And I say, what do you think Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to do to Vince McMahon next? Yeah. Or what do you think The Rock is going to do to follow that? I mean, and 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 now I, I agree with you a hundred percent. It's it's we don't have that level of unpredictability. I think the fans they love to sit and try to figure out what's going to be what's going to be happening next. And but actually, when they're right, they're a little bit disappointed. You know, they don't want to be able to figure that out. It spoils the it spoils some of the fun and some of the entertainment value if they can figure out that. And you're right. In, in MMA, it is all unpredictable. Um, and and that part of it is great, but I think where where the WWE still has the edge, maybe not in unpredictability, but I think we have the edge. And this is where you guys and the, and then especially Bellator, I think, is we have the opportunity or take the opportunity to uh, I just get the get the inter, get the fighters characters out there more, get their personalities and their, you know, let them exhibit that charisma and everything. What what I lacked, or what I, when I watched MMA, uh, was you know, just watching it as a casual fan, it was like well, here's some guys beating the crap out of each other, but I don't know who they are. Right. You know, and, and the, boy, then the next fight, well, here's two more guys, I don't know, but ooh, what a good fight. They're beating the heck out of each other, you know. And and I think that that is, is, is changing now in the fact that, you know, the people do know, uh, do know the Bellator, especially the Bellator fighters better. And, and you know, and using a guy like a Bobby Lashley or Ken Shamrock, people that they've known, um, in, in, in a different, uh, setting, but they know who these guys are and they know what kind of characters they are and they know what their personalities are and it makes it easier to get, it makes it easier to invest yourself yes. in, in whether they're, you know, having a good night or a bad night or whether they're feeling pain or whether they're, uh, you know, uh, happy or sad or whatever. And that's, that's uh, to me, that's at least as, as I've looked at it, what I've missed out on in watching the MMA. But now, uh, like I said, with Bellator, and, and I think that, that I think that's one of the things that Scott Coker recognizes is that you need to uh, let the fans get to know these guys a little better. Sure, they're going to have a heck of a fight, but you want to care about who's fighting. Yeah, emotional investment is very key. You need that, and sometimes we forget about that. Uh, you talk about that unpredictable nature of pro wrestling, that you know, water cooler talk and all that stuff. To me, I said it at the top, the greatest feud in pro wrestling history is you versus Andy Kaufman. Why? Because it had all of that. No one knew if it was real, if you guys were really mad at each other, if he really broke his neck, if, if, if that coffee was really hot, if that slap really hurt. I mean, it just it was at a different era, different time, but it, it just it, it, it captivated... Um, the, the the country and I wasn't I wasn't born, but like I said, I, I I've read and watched a lot about it. Do you think something like that can happen in 2016, or have we gone past that point? Given how people view pro wrestling, that we know that it's scripted. Given the way WWE puts on its product, and given the way social media and the internet is. Well, I I think. Man, all of, all of those things that you just said are huge factors, especially social media and the internet. That has really changed uh, the world of wrestling, and is certainly changing the world of MMA. But um, I, I, I guess the reason, one of the big reasons that that worked so well was because it it had never been done before, and in reality, it was like everybody always asked me, "Well, did?" Did Andy know what, I mean, did, did David let him know what was going to happen, or did you guys let anybody know what was going to happen? And the honest-to-God's truth, uh, all of these years later, is that when we went when we went out there 
live on that set to do that show, we didn't know any of that was going to happen. Wow. We, it, it, it just all was spontaneous and basically ad libbed. The only thing that the only thing that put in my mind uh, that something like that might go down was beforehand. I mean, they they brought Andy and I in uh, and separate. Andy wouldn't be one of the great things about Andy. I mean, he carried it to the hilt. He told Letterman, he said, "I can't be around the guy." Uh, you know, they they have a pre-show. Um, uh, like a meeting earlier in the day with the segment coordinators and the producers of the show where they go over what you're going to say and what they want you to do and all that stuff. Well, Andy wouldn't, wouldn't be in the, it wouldn't be in the meeting with me. So he, they, they had to meet with us separately. And, um, the funny thing was they said when, and when I was in there, they said, well, here's what we're going to do. You guys are going to be on two segments. The first segment, we're going to show you pile driving Andy. We're going to show him making fun of wrestling. And, and then you giving him the pile driver. And we want you guys to be kind of antagonistic a little bit towards each other. And then Dave's going to take a break. And then in the second segment, Andy will apologize to you for making fun of wrestling and you apologize to Andy for hurting his neck. And then Andy's going to get up and sing what the world needs now is love, sweet love. <laughs> Now, that's the way it was all laid out, and that's the way I left the meeting, and that's the way everybody thought it was going to go down. And I got back to my hotel. We were going to tape at 5.30 that afternoon, and I got back to my hotel at about 2 o'clock, and I got a call from Andy, and he said, well, did they tell you what they wanted us to do? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, what do you think? I said, well, I think it'll be funny, but I said, you know, once we kiss and make up and apologize to each other, that's the end of our feud because the, the the people that were watching there, they didn't realize Andy and I were still wrestling against each other. Still, this feud was going on hot and heavy down in Memphis, and we were selling out the Mid-South Coliseum every single Monday night. So I didn't really want to see it end, and Andy was loving being involved with wrestling, and he didn't want to see it end either. But So he said, he said, yeah, man, you're right, but he said, wonder what would happen if you just hauled off and slugged me. And I'll never forget, I said, Oh, Andy, I, I can't do that. I said, first of all, I've been arrested. I can't, you know, I, and then second of all, they, they won't show it. I mean, you know, they're not going to show me punching you or anything on TV with, on, on a tape show. And he said, yeah, I guess you're right. But man, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? And that's the way it was left. We didn't say, we didn't see each other or speak to each other again until we got on the show. And we went through the first segment, like they said, and then they took a break and Andy got up, walked away and he wouldn't even be close to me during the break. And then he comes back over for the second segment. And, um, it's, it's, it was like he never really apologized for, to me and I never really apologized to him. And it kept going on and on. And I think finally Dave realized, well, this is, you know, something's gone awry here. This is not going the way he said. I'm, I, I guess he figured I'm just going to have to take this second break and get rid of these two guys. And so, and that's what happened. He started into a second break, and I, in my head, I said, "Well, this is it. We're, you know, we're done after this, and we've really not accomplished anything." So, I swear, when I watch it back on TV, it's like an out of body experience. It's like I'm watching something else that didn't really even happen to me because I just, I, I just remember standing up and I kind of looked right Andy right in the eyes, and he just looked at me, and it was almost that understanding between the two of us. Well, here it goes. And I just hauled off and slapped the crap out of him. I mean, you know, yeah. I slapped him as hard as I could and knocked him out completely out of his chair. And I, I, I had no idea what to expect after that. I thought I was going to get arrested and they wouldn't show it and everything. But then, uh, you know, security came in and hustled me back to the, back to the, uh, green room and they took about a 15 minute break to get everything calmed down. And, and, uh, I'm just sitting there by myself in the green room. Finally, some little intern came in and said, 
Mr. Lawler, Dave wants to know if you want to come back out and sort of wrap things up a little bit. So when he said that, I thought, damn, they're going to, they're going to show this, you know? So I said, sure, I'll, I'll come back out. So when I, when I went back out and Andy was still over off the set, just kind of holding on to the side of his head. And he would, he refused to come back out when we went back on the air and the count is down to 10 and nine, eight. And they, and Dave said, Andy, are you going to come back out here? And he said, no, if I do, I'll say words you can't say on TV. So then, uh, you know, naturally we went back on the air and after about two or three seconds, Andy comes barging back in there over Dave's shoulder and just lets loose with this tirade of obscenities. I mean, you can go on YouTube and watch yes. it back and you can just look for the unedited version. And, and, and he just starts swearing and cursing. And I'm thinking to myself, what the hell are you doing? You know, they're obviously going to show the slap, but there's no way on earth they can show this. So why are you doing this? You know, and I just, that's why I just crossed my leg and leaned back in the chair throughout with my body language to show him this is not good, Andy. <laughs> you know, and then, and then that's when he grabbed a cup of coffee and looked me in the eyes and threw the coffee. I mean, I jumped up and chased him again and, and, um, he took off, and the security came and got me again. And this time, they took me instead of the green room straight to the elevator. And uh, the guy said, "Look, I just the security guard said, look, I just want to get you out of the building, man.' He said, "Go say Kaufman." He said, "Kaufman's elevator don't go all the way to the top floor." And he said, "He'll probably try to have you arrested, so let's get you back to the hotel." Wow. And I went back to the hotel. This was like at six thirty. I didn't hear a word from anybody until eleven thirty that night, and turned on the TV and. There was. They showed everything. They showed the slap. They showed Andy come in to all the cursing. Of course, they 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 beat it out a little bit. Actually, they put like a sound of a cuckoo clock in there, which made it even funnier. But then, uh, you know, and that's that was it. It went down in history. You realize today that is in that clip is in the National Museum of Radio and Television in Washington D.C. is one of the top 100 moments in the history of television. Wow, it's insane. I know. So do you agree with me that it's so the greatest anyway, feat of all time? How, uh, I, I, I really miss Andy. It was, you know, it was only about, I mean, about maybe six months after that. He was, he was still doing our TV show after that, three months after that. He, he was doing the show down there with us, and he was coughing during an interview huh. uh, with me. And after we went off the air, he came over to me, and he said, he said, I apologize for coughing. He said, but I just... Um, he said, I haven't told anybody else, but I just, I just got diagnosed this week with cancer. Huh. And everybody, I mean, you know, I, was, I said, sure you did, Andy. Well, you know, huh. was, that's not funny. That's not a good joke. And he said, no, I'm, I'm serious. And sure enough, I mean, he lasted maybe three or four months after that, and he was dead. Did you like the Man on the Moon movie? Did, did you think that it, it, it captured who he was in your feud and his whole career fairly, accurately? <sighs> Well, you know what? So many, so many of those things were, were uh, almost everything. You, almost everything you saw in there happened uh, in Andy's life, but so much of it was out of order and out of just kind of out of context and whatever. Like, like the scene of the uh, the scene at the um, oh, you know, where they had the Christmas show at, at uh, Carnegie Hall. Oh yes, or whatever. yes, yes. It, it, it made it look like that was his swan song that he already knew he was going to die. And he had to, that, that's not true. That all happened. He, but he did that years before he passed away. He did that deal before he ever even did the wrestling stuff. Huh. So they, you know, they, they just kind of, it was a, all of it was a little out of context. And a lot of the stuff in, in the way they shot the thing about the Memphis wrestling part didn't happen that way either. One of the main things that never happened was there was never a meeting between Andy 
and and his manager George Shapiro and I saying that he thought Andy should not uh, wrestle anymore. They were all they were always fine with that. And and Andy was like I said, Andy was still doing the wrestling and doing our show right up until he was diagnosed with cancer. I mean, he loved it. And and um, so it was just you know it was uh, there was a lot of. Uh, um, I know artistic liberties, I guess, okay. taken in the movie. I get goosebumps hearing you talk about this. Honestly, uh, it, it, what, what an honor this is. Do you agree with me, Jerry, that it is the greatest feud of all time in pro wrestling? Well, you could be you could I, be biased. You you know you could you could pat yourself on the back. The old Barry Horowitz. It's okay. Well, honestly, I'll, I'll say I don't know if it's the greatest feud. Um, I felt like it, I felt personally like it was, but I do honestly feel like it's the most famous yes. wrestling match ever. Okay. Because I mean, it, it's something that's still being talked about 35 years later. And it's something that people that weren't even, didn't know anything about wrestling before or after this and heard about this worldwide. It was one of the first times that anything got national, or that a wrestling match got national coverage, and um, you know it was. It was. I, I feel like it was definitely. You could say it was the most famous wrestling match ever. Fair enough. Um, I know you say you don't like to sort of smell the roses, but have you ever sat down? Like you can go into a rabbit hole for hours on YouTube of all those old clips. Do you ever sit down and, and reminisce and watch them? Honestly, no, I've not ever, I've never done that. You'd have a blast. I, I, I just feel like I just feel like I see so much wrestling. But I'll tell you what I did, and it's funny that you mentioned that. Um, and I don't know if this is a uh, like a, a I don't know a warning or something of things to come. But I don't I don't really feel uh, it doesn't really affect me or anything like right now. I don't really think about it. But sometimes when I do stop and think about it, I realize I have like a horrible memory. Hmm. I mean, I, I just, I don't remember or think about these things that much from the past. And it's like the other day I was, I, I, I just wrestled last week out on Long Island. I wrestled against uh, some guy from Ring of Honor wrestling on a show on Long Island after the night of the New York Comic Con. And they picked me up in a, in a car service and drove me out, uh, you know, on the end of, to the end of Long Island in Suffolk. And I had no idea there was 70 miles. I thought it was just, you know, I thought they said, oh, you're in New York and you're on Long Island. And I thought it was just going to be a little quick trip over there. But during the 70 mile trip, um, somebody sent something, put something on Twitter about one of my King's courts back in the day. And so, and I just clicked on it and there was this whole King's court of me, um, interviewing the undertaker or something like that. And, 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 uh, and and then of course you know like you said when you do when you click on something on YouTube then all of a sudden here's all these other ones that are waiting to be seen right mm-hmm. and so I sat there and I went through <laughs> about ten of those King's Courts that I did when right I mean when the early days of Monday Night Raw when we were doing it from the Manhattan Center and I was just I swear I sat there going like damn I don't even remember that you could have put a gun to my head and I could have I would have been able to tell you that I ever, ever interviewed. Uh, you know some of the some of the people that I did on those on those King's courts, and uh, and and I was sitting there watching them going, damn, that was funny. That was really entertaining stuff. You know, one time they, I'm watching one and they brought me out in this big sedan chair, and then as we get to the ring, the guys tipped it over, and I, I you know, I fell all the way out of the chair down on my face, and then had to go in there and uh, try to interview Lex Luger afterwards, and it, and 
you know, as a, but I just don't ever just sit around and go back and watch watch uh, old matches enough. I think I feel like I have to watch enough wrestling as it is, and I don't want sure. to dig up the past and watch that. Two more quick things, if I may. Um, Brock did it. As you mentioned, Bobby Lashley did it, and, and he's doing it again this Friday. CM Punk recently did it. Dave Batista did it. We're hearing that Ryback wants to do it. Why do you think so many pro wrestlers are interested or get the itch to make the move over to MMA? And are you okay with that? Are you in favor of that? Yeah, I don't have a problem with it at all. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I, I think that I, I don't have any doubt that the uh, allure is the, the, the fame, the glory, the uh, recognition, the attention. And that, you know, that is due uh, in large part to the fact that uh, MMA is just, is, is just uh, exploded. Mm. It's huge now. And everybody wants to be a part of something that's, that's big. Everybody wants to be a part of something that's successful, and that's I think that's what these wrestlers are seeing. And um, you know, I, I think sometimes they, it's like you know when you see a big plate of food, you're the old uh, expression, you know, your eyes are bigger than your belly. And and I think sometimes these guys think that it's going to be a easier transition than it turns out to be. I mean, just look at CM Punk. Lord, did he take a beating? Um, you know, and, and and but hey, he said he, it was something he always wanted to do. He did it. He tried it, and uh, better luck next time. You know, but right. uh, and then again, guys like Brock Lesnar and guys like Bobby Lashley, uh, you know, they've done it and done it well. I think it just depends on the individual. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't see any problem. I, I think that um, I think Ryback would be awesome. Hmm. You know, this is a, this is a. A physical specimen that you know rivals a, a Brock Lesnar or Bobby Lashley. I think he would be awesome in there. It'd be hard. It'd be hard pressed to find somebody that would dominate a guy like Ryback. So uh, yeah, I don't have any problem with it. As a matter of fact, I like it. That's you know that's the reason that uh, I'm so excited about this this Bellator 162. Having Bobby Lashley come to Memphis and you know uh, it's the first time Bellator MMA has been in Memphis. We you know we we have a lot of great MMA fans down there, a lot of wrestling fans that are going to be excited to see Bobby and I want to. Uh, you know, I want to. I want the Memphis to roll out the red carpet for this show. And as you may know, we're sort of entering a period of the late '90s with free agency and guys going from the UFC to Bellator. Uh, big name guys. Uh, just an hour ago, George St. Pierre, arguably the greatest of our time, uh, announced on our show that he is considering himself a free agent now. We're seeing a lot of movement, and it's reminiscent of pro wrestling in that regard. Do you think this is healthy for the sport, or do you subscribe to the notion that it's better if there's one dominant organization? Oh no, I don't. I don't think it's better than than the, when it's one dominant organization. No, I think competition is good for anything. I don't think there's anybody, even including Vince McMahon, will will tell you that. Uh, probably the most exciting and the most fun time for the WWE and for wrestling in general was was during the Monday Night Wars. Hmm. I mean, you know, when when we were, I think it brings out the best in everybody when there's competition, and it brings out the best in the not only in the uh, in the companies like uh, like UFC and Bellator uh, or WCW and WWE at the time. It, it brings out you know it brings out the best in the fighters in the fact that hey, you know, the better I do, the better I look, I'm going to be able to go to the best or the highest paying. Uh, company and and that's you know that's I think the mindset of everybody that's in whether it's in wrestling or in MMA and that's why um, I, you know I, I owned I actually owned a wrestling company the, the the Memphis wrestling company Jerry Jarrett and I were partners and owned it for twenty years down there in Memphis so I um, 
can look at it from both sides of the fence. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I can look at it from an owner's standpoint, which in that situation, free agency, I'm sure, is something that they'd rather not deal with. But uh, but from a from a wrestler or from an MMA fighter standpoint, I think free agency is a great thing. I mean, you know, it just it just improves everybody's uh, position in in their uh, in their field and, and and in their career, and and gives them the opportunity to to be as successful as possible and to make as much money as possible. How's your health, by the way? How are you feeling? My health is wonderful. Uh, you know, just past September, September the 10th, celebrated a four-year, I can't believe it's a four-year anniversary of when I had the cardiac arrest on live TV up in Montreal, Canada. Yeah. But the amazing thing is I have not had one second, not one moment's uh, problem since that time. I better have wrestled 200 times wow. since then. The WWE still won't give me clearance to wrestle there, but, uh, you know, it's, I think they're, it's a, sort of a liability thing and a, and a PR thing, too. I think even though I've wrestled so many times in my cardiologist has given me the clearance and the go-ahead. I think that they're, they fear that there would be a backlash, sort of, and there probably would be, you know, from some of the fans saying, oh, I can't believe WWE is putting a guy that's had a heart attack out in the ring uh, again, you know. So uh, it, it, that's one of those things where, uh, yeah, I wish I could probably have a, uh, another couple matches and some kind of big send-offs there, but uh, it, it doesn't... It didn't, uh, it's not going to make me lose any sleep at night if I don't. Well, that is great to hear. Uh, again, thank you so much for this, Jerry. I really appreciate your time. A, a huge honor and privilege for us. Again, it's Bellator 162 this Friday, FedEx Forum in Memphis. I've been there. It's a beautiful stadium, a beautiful arena, home of the Memphis Grizzlies. Alexander Shlomenko versus Kendall Grove is the main event. Bobby Lashley's fighting on the card. Ryan Couture is on the card. And, of course, Kimbo Slice Jr. on the card doing a lot of stuff in Memphis this week is Jerry Lawler for Bellator, and I think that's a, that's a brilliant move on their part. Really appreciate your time, Jerry. Thank you so much. All the best to you and continued success in your career. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Okay, there he is, the king himself. How about that? Wow, what a way to end the show. Unbelievable stuff. Thank you very much to Bellator for that. And, of course, that card airs on Spike TV this Friday. One quick postscript before I go to the George St. Pierre interview. Received a text from him around 20 or so minutes ago, maybe even less. He said this, quote, I shouldn't have said I hired James Quinn to, quote, terminate my contract. I meant to say that I hired James Quinn to accelerate things and make it happen quickly. So he wanted to clear that up, wanted to be correct. I appreciate him doing that very much. Okay, we have run out of time. A couple quick things before I go. Yes, Greg Hardy is uh, considering moving over to MMA. Yes, there is interest from Legacy and a few other promotions. Yes, he was there this past Friday when Mackenzie Dern fought. Greg Hardy, if you don't know, former much maligned Dallas Cowboy and Carolina Panthers uh, has had a uh, a troubled past, if you will, domestic violence, recently arrested for cocaine. We will monitor that situation. John Jones's USADA arbitration hearing, the first of its kind as far as UFC is concerned, currently scheduled for October 31st, Halloween. Paige Van Zant is going to headline the next UFC on Fox event in Sacramento in December, the 17th of December against Michelle Watterson, the karate hottie, as you heard earlier. Mike Perry, Alan Joban, also going to be on that card. Uh, Sage Northcutt versus Mickey Gall. Someone asked me about Mark Hunt. He is awaiting to hear what's going to happen with the Brock Lesnar situation uh, before taking his next step. Tatsuya Karajiri saying earlier that he would like to be released. I'm told by his team he has been released by the UFC. Also, look out for Emil Mech possibly debuting 
in Toronto. And one last shout out, by the way, Jonas Jarebko. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, of the Boston Celtics. When I was there on uh, Saturday calling the action with my man Sean Grandy, came up to me uh, in the bowels of MSG, massive hand, said he's a big fan, big fan of the sport. Uh, it was very well versed. I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, Sweden's own. Jonas Jarebko, the Swedish cowboy, coming up to me. How about this? DMA. I mean, this is amazing stuff. Anyway, Big fan of MMA, big fan of the UFC. Appreciate him doing that, and congratulations to him on uh, the new esports team that he has purchased. That's exciting stuff. Any final words from Mr. New York Rick? Um, <laughs> no. Sorry, I got a new mic, a new mic button back here, and I mispressed it. Wow. Yeah, you Miss know they're upgrading it. my technology. Sure. Look at you. Um, well, the hair just, looks great. Uh, I mean, on this show, it? you know, no, but this is this is the important part of this show. I mean, today's show had some news and stuff like that, but sure. most importantly, um, make sure that the hair looks good. Yes, well said. Okay, that's um, it. That's all you got? No, uh, Final word? we didn't touch on Conor McGregor's fine. I mean, look, we talked about it last week when it happened. Uh, I still can't wrap my head around it. And three and a half hours later, I don't understand what Bob Bennett said to Mark Ramundi. I don't understand the line of thinking. (laughs) The media didn't get it wrong. I think there's a bit of backpedaling going on. But to me, the most important thing that he said was, or the most interesting thing that Connor said was, uh, yeah, let's see them get it. I thought more interesting is that he doesn't want to fight in Las Vegas. Well, that too. I mean, Dana said that on on Wednesday. um, Then Connor came out on Friday. We'll see how it all plays out. But look, the rise of New York, the rise of other promotions, and just the rise of Connor, he can make the same amount anywhere he goes, devalues Nevada. And it's it's high time that someone with some power said, look, let's see you make me do 50 hours of community service, this arbitrary number that you came up with. Uh, Let's see you get that money from me, this arbitrary number, when the attorney general is asking for $25,000. let us see you actually flex your muscles here. Um, and look, I'm not, I'm not promoting this sort of conflict. I don't want to see it, but I do think it's high time someone challenges them and pushes back. Who better than Connor to do that? Damn right. Old New York Rick said that last week. Uh, I don't recall, but sure. So I can't, oh God, I get no credit for that. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it, it is time. And I mean, we'll see how that shakes out. It yeah. seems like, uh, there's a lot of interesting things happening with greater impact for the sport. Of when MMA. is there not these days? But yes. Yeah. Um, interesting uh, couple of weeks leading into uh, next month that we've got. One last bit of news. How about this? Yeah. Frank Mir has signed with ACB Commentary. So the ACB Commentary team, ACB is that promotion out of uh, Europe. He will make his commentary debut for them on uh, ACB 48, quote, the rematch this Saturday, live from the Dynamo Sports Palace in Moscow. A lot of people ask me about Frank Mir. Remember, he was yeah. on the show prior to 200, asking for his release. At least he is allowed to go out and do he, some commentary work. He's always been great at commentary, so I, I like this a days. lot. Yeah. yeah, that is Saturday, and I think those events are free on YouTube. Okay, we are done. I'm flying to Denver. See ya. Where are you going? Glory, 34. This Saturday? Friday. Friday. ESPN? ESPN 3, yep. You're flying today? No, Wednesday. Oh. Who's fighting? 
you know, who, one person that's fighting, not the headline event, Nikki Holskin is fighting, but one person who is fighting is your boy Simon Marcus. Just uh, Canada's own. Canada's own. Wow. Simon Marcus meeting Dustin Jacoby rematch. I will be there. Dustin Jacoby fights on more glory cards <laughs> than anyone in the history of kickboxing. He's a game. He's, he's game. That's for sure. Unbelievable. Um, all right. All right. Safe I'll, travels. If, I, if anybody's in Denver, I'll see you there. Okay. There you have it. Uh, you can hit my music. We are out of time, a little over time, but who can blame us? So much to discuss this week. So much went on. Uh, wow. A lot to unpack. And I'm looking forward to the MMA beat now on Thursday. That is Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern time, 10 a.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. in England to uh to talk about all this and who knows what happens in the next few days like i said an interesting time and again in in all sincerity and honesty the good folks over at zufa uh the employees the hard-working employees i mean those people work their asses off i do hope that everything works out and you hope that the rumors aren't true uh and, and but you just sort of kind of expect these sort of things when new companies come in new owners come in uh you do wish them the best and you hope that everyone you know lines on their feet and, and ends up smelling like roses and in a good place so i uh, wanted to end with that i also want to end by thanking everyone who tuned in this week i want to thank everyone who joined us ray Cefo, thank you for coming on the program and announcing that big news december 31st new york city all of a sudden new york city of dreams mma hotbed december 31st three title fights platinum mike perry Good job keeping those cards close to your vest, my man. Well done. Alan Joban in Sacramento. Congrats on your success. Kayla Harrison. What a pleasure that was. Good luck to her. Whatever she decides to do. Well done. Gega Musasi speaking his mind. Really enjoyed our talk with Holly Holm. Thank you very much to her. Michael Bisping. Congrats again. George St. Pierre. I can't thank you enough. Good luck to you, my man. And Jerry Lawler. Thank you very much as well. What a fun show. If you missed it, check it out. iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, all that good stuff and more. Back next week, same time and place. Somebody else.